0: If you are not careful and you let yourself be captured by the news and all the noise, it can confuse you into believing that there is more wrong in our society than right with it. That there are more selfish people than selfless people. Every day there are more people that you know, that you meet, that you pass by, who focus their efforts and energy into helping others, in service to others, to making their country, their community better. They are the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the veterans, the police officers, and so many others. This is the Strength from Service Podcast. We left the perimeter of the bridge and made our way down the road to the southern edge of the village, where we made a turn on a path that ran along a ditch. We had just started down the path when we heard heavy firing from AK-47s and M-16s. Rick's squad had walked into an ambush. We all knew it would happen. The first thing that came into my mind was to get Rick and help him, but without a radio, I couldn't take my whole squad in and risk getting us in a mess too. I had a gun team and a corpsman with me, but there was just too much to risk. I was not even sure of their location, so we stayed on the path and kept moving along the southern edge of the village. The firing kept up and continued. I decided to take two men with me and leave the squad where we had stopped. We would go in the direction of the firing and try to get the location of the ambush. I knew this was a decision that could cost us our lives, but in my judgment, it was the only way we could get to Rick and help him break off the ambush. At this time, I had no idea what the third squad was doing or where they were at. We had no radio contact. If we could find Rick's squad, I could send a man back and bring up the rest of my men. We started to move down the path. We must have gone about 100 yards when we came to a curve in the trail. The firing was getting louder. I knew we were getting close. I thought this would be a good place to stop and listen. I left one man where we had stopped and the second man at the midpoint of the curve. I went off a little farther and stopped. The three of us made half a circle on the curve. The man in the middle was to watch our rear, and I would watch the trail for any sign of Rick or the NVA. The last order I gave to the others was that if we got hit out here, everybody was on their own. The firing was really loud now, and I was just getting ready to move a little bit closer when I turned to signal the others, only to see the middle man looking forward at me and not at the rear, as I had told him. Just at that moment, there were five NVA coming out of a ditch in the trees to his rear. They were only 10 yards from him and maybe 15 yards from me. They had not seen me yet, and I knew I had to act fast, even if it meant exposing myself. Damn. The NVA had on what looked like khakis and AK-47s with 30-round clips. Even at this range, I knew I couldn't get all of them with 18 rounds. My man was looking the wrong way, and he would be dead soon. I had no choice. I flipped my 16 to full automatic and emptied it into the 5-NVA entering the trail. They all fell. I don't know how many I hit, but as I was changing my magazine and diving back to the tree nearby, they returned fire. It felt like someone was taking cement boxing gloves to my body as I hit the ground just short of the tree. My eyes cleared. I could see my rifle lying on the ground near me with an empty magazine a few feet away. From the ground, I couldn't see the MVA or my two men. It was quiet. Even the shooting from the ambush had stopped. Then I remember telling the other two men to find their way back if the squad was hit. I was alone. And that is an excerpt from a brief description of some of Tom McLaughlin's service in Vietnam, uh, including the night he was severely injured uh, at the start of the Tet Offensive in February 3rd, 1968. And with that, uh, I'm very glad to have uh, my father, uh, Tom McLaughlin here in studio with us to dive into a little bit of his story. Uh, For those of you not familiar uh, with Tom McLaughlin, he's a Mankato West class of 66, Mm -hmm. high school graduate, uh, Wilson transfer for any Mankato natives (laughs) that might know that. Uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps, uh, served in in Vietnam, uh, just shy of a year, a little over 11 months, and was wounded, uh, like we said, of that excerpt uh, in the Tet Offensive on February 3rd. Came back home uh, to Mankato, uh, raised a family, uh, worked for Old Cato Sanitation for several years, uh, and served in several capacities in the community on city council, uh, also Blue Earth County commissioner, uh, and then for many people, actually much more people that know him more intimately, uh, through recovery circles, uh, through alcohol, uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and the veteran causes uh, in, in the the general area. So, uh, with that, welcome. All right. Yeah, welcome, Tom. Thanks, thanks for
1: thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming. Yeah. Well, let's start. At, let's start at the beginning, if that's okay. So, uh, join the Marine Corps. You, you signed up on your own, I assume. Is that that was there a reason for that, or just? To... Yeah, there was a reason for that. Uh, it was called a draft. Okay, <laughs> okay. That,
2: that, that makes perfect sure. sense. So. I, was, I was one of those students at a young age who liked school so much I decided to stay in second grade for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so come around my senior year in high school, I turned 19 years old. And uh, back in the draft days, the status was 1A to 4F. And that put me right in the 1A cata- category, so... Uh, I knew exactly where I was going to go mm-hmm. uh, the minute I graduated because, you know, as I proved earlier in my educational career that I wasn't really much into studying a lot. I was more into the other things that 18, 19-year-old young men. You're making,
3: making of the best kind of grunt, though, right?
2: Yes, yes, and, you know, that that did yeah. add to my... my uh, uh, being able to take a punishment in the field
4: for 11 months.
2: <laughs> but anyways, uh, I, I knew I'd be going uh, in the military, and I knew that I'd be drafted as soon as I graduated from high school. But uh, I really wasn't ready to go yet, so uh, I went down to do some bargaining with the recruiters, and I, I went to the Army, the Navy, uh, Air Force was too good for me, so. Uh, <laughs> still is. And Marine
4: Corps.
2: <laughs> oh, Marine Corps. And uh, I actually, uh, uh, the, the Army recruiter actually was uh, kind of interested in, after talking to me, uh, uh, maybe testing me to see if I'd qualify for uh, the uh, warrant officer program, believe okay. it or not. And uh, uh, th- that was fine. You know, I took out my glasses to read uh, fine print on it. And uh, at that time, in 1966, uh, you had to have uh, a 20-20 vision in order to fly mm-hmm. uh, Five years later in Vietnam, they were taking them with double vision. I think they needed pilots so bad. But uh, whether I would have made it or not, it's yet to be seen, you know, realistically, uh, I probably wouldn't have, but uh, he would have got me in the Army, and then when I washed out, you know, I'd be just another dog face, so. uh, But uh, I decided on the Marines in part, uh, uh, they had the nicest uniform, of course, Mm and uh uh i had uh oh some experience growing up as a youngster around the veterans of world war 2 okay. and uh uh so and i got my 120 day delay so that meant I, I did not have to leave mankato until november 29th so that gave me the whole summer uh to do what i wanted to do and and uh, I worked and kind of did what I did through my school career I went out and partied and and, uh, got in trouble and all that stuff Mm -hmm. nothing bad enough to keep me out uh, maybe on a little waiver but uh, so I I did that summer and I in the meantime I had friends coming back uh, who were a little older than me and graduated a couple years and number of them been to Vietnam, and, and uh, I'll never forget the one neighbor kid. He was a high school star, a wrestler and everything, and really outgoing guy, you know, the, the guy that would be homecoming king type. And he came back just before I uh, reported for uh, induction in the Marine Corps, uh, and he just was a mess. Mm. I mean, he wasn't full of holes or anything, but he wasn't the same guy. And he had just come back from his uh, 12 months in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, I kind of sent a vibe through me a little bit that, uh, you know, hey, this clock is ticking. And uh, uh, seeing him come back like that kind of got me thinking, uh, you know, wow, what do I have laying, laying out there in the future? But um, anyways... Uh, November 29th came, I had to go up to cities and be inducted uh, on the 30th, actually, so a couple friends of mine from high school went up with me, and uh, the government gave me a beautiful room in the Hotel Red Wing, (laughs) Uh, you know, after you're tripping over the clear wine bottles on the steps going up. uh, that's where they 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 had the draftees and uh, and the enlistees and so uh, one of the guys was 21 so he was able to go out and, and get us something to drink and we went out to the town of Minneapolis and and the next day I had to go I had to go uh, get sworn in and, and hop on a plane to go to San Diego. Hungover as hell. Well,
0: boot boot camp kind of feels like a long hangover. That's anyway, right. You yeah, might as well start yes. it off. Yeah, get it going. This stop you there real real quick. You you had mentioned um, you know you had as a youngster been around some some World War II uh, veterans growing up because um, you were you were born in Winona, not yes. Mankato, uh, and grew up in there. Uh, but you had a, a uncle that served as a Navy corpsman, uh, correct? Well, he was he was a, sh- a shore
2: party actually well, on a on a, a tin can, a destroyer uh, at Iwo Jima, mm. and uh, he went ashore uh, after the Marines and such. And and uh, he had uh, all the things you think a World War II veteran would have. He had the Japanese flag, he had the sword, he had the the officers' tea set, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, as a as a young young man, he would let us take that stuff out and and admire it, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I never did hear how he got the stuff, but, uh, you know, he was ashore. Maybe he bartered for it, who knows. But uh, uh, he never talked much more about his experiences in the islands after that until much, much later in life when he was probably pushing 90 and... And he was talking to me a little bit about his time, finally, and he kind of teared up, and he said that, he uh, was talking about being on shore there and, and what was going on, and, and he said, and uh, this other sailor on his ship, he said, uh, he was with him and he died, and, and he felt so bad because when he got back to the ship, he had owed the guy $2 mm. that he he, he uh, had borrowed from him when they were on their last port of call. And he felt so bad that that uh, fellow sailor died without getting the $2 back. And he started to tear up over it. And, uh, you know, that's to the extent that, you know, he told me his story. But it affected him his whole life. Sure. Obviously, his experiences. But... Um, on the other side of the coin, you know, growing up with so many veterans around from World War II, uh, we would go to the, the parades on 4th of July, and, and Winona has a celebration called Steamboat Days, and and always the veterans were up front and, you know, carrying their colors. And it wasn't like us nowadays where we try to put together a mismatched color guard, and I mean, they had they had the numbers, they had the uniforms, they were sharp. And uh, American Legion might have a band mm-hmm. uh, as part of their activities, and it, it was just uh, just a different time when everybody stood up when they came by to start the parade. So uh, that, in part, you know, stayed with me. You know, when I was debating what I would do as far as my number coming up and uh uh, we still had uh the word you don't hear much anymore patriotism we still in that generation at the beginning of vietnam there still was a pretty strong feeling of patriotism and that uh, uh, we owed this country something for sure and and then the experiences that uh you know we were able to uh to recall with, with the veterans from World War II. Even World War One, uh and uh in fact when I first came to Mankato after I got out of the uh hospital, uh they still had a Spanish American War veteran at the really?
0: w- yeah. yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you think about it. Like for our our time frame, it's you know similar yeah. to World War II uh, yeah. veterans now. Right. When you hear of somebody coming home from the military today, and there's a World War II veteran, uh, at you know in town or at the club or, right. or where it's at, mm-hmm. the same about proximity and time frame too.
3: So about two years ago, I was at the state fair and I seen a, a guy getting pushed in a wheelchair. He had a World War II hat on. And I snatched my kid up and threw him under my arm. And I went over there and I said, I want my son to (laughs) shake your hand, you know, and and thank you for your service. Because, and uh, honestly, that was the last chance that really my boys ever had to shake a guy that served in World War II's Mm -hmm. hand. I mean,
0: and it's, I think there's a big thing on
3: those little imprints. uh, Just like
0: uh, Dad was saying, you know, those little lasting impressions of being able to pull out the service memorabilia. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, doing it uh, with. You know, dad's uh, stuff too, a lot of it might even been uh, bought from surplus stores, but it was that Vietnam era, the OD green olive yeah. drab, uh, you know, blouse and the trousers and what are these boot band things for you put around <laughs> your ankle or an army you guys just tuck it. Uh, but Marine Corps a little precise, more precise. But those, those impacts, uh, just like in the military, but I think uh, people serving in the community, uh, whether it's in the recovery community, whether it's in local government, or whether it's in the schools, I mean, the next generation picks up on that. You know, whether it's not overtly, it's subliminal subliminal and it, it has a lasting impact. So but so anyways, we kinda digress there. You got on a plane, hung over to go out to San Diego? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, happened? what happened next? So uh- it, it, we've all seen the beginning of
2: Full Metal Jacket, I'm sure in sure, this room, for, for that's course. basically. <laughs> if what you it haven't, went, go
0: watch it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's good. Basi- basically what it was like. Uh, Make sure anybody under the age of 13 is
3: not in the room. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. yeah, right. right. Yeah. For so sure. Did, did, you yeah. right away, huh? did you get a nickname right away, Tom? Did you get a nickname right away? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I kind
2: of uh, stayed in the background as much yeah. as I could. Uh, I was actually in pretty good shape, so they had no reason to really single me out, uh, except every once in a while and I'd do a misstep. <laughs> right. You know.
0: uh, r- real quick, for anybody that's not familiar with that, the Marines, and they go off to their basic training in Minnesota or pretty much west of the Mississippi. They end up going out to San Diego uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, essentially right next to the airport there. Uh, and then they start between San Diego and go up to Camp Pendleton just north of San Diego. And that's been that way since you know, I think it's probably the first official marine base was MCRD. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, Yep. So, yep. so you you checked in, do you remember your platoon number or any of that? Eleven fifty eight. That's better than me. I don't <laughs> remember. Eleven fifty
2: eight. Don't ask me the series, but we were eleven fifty-eight. And, and uh uh We're probably mostly from Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, all different types, Uh, maybe a few from Michigan, but not much farther than that. Uh, Dakotas, uh, we're pretty much a Midwestern group. And uh, mostly all, uh, well, we were all enlisted, but there were a few of them that were Marine Reserves. Marine Reserves had to go through the same boot camp as as the regular Marine Corps, so uh, they didn't miss out on that part. They might not (laughs) have had to go to Vietnam, but they didn't miss out on the fun part of basic training. So, and uh,
1: not and not to interrupt, but I assume that when you got to boot camp, you knew that like like you mentioned earlier, this was just the the precursor to going to Vietnam, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, the minute we got off the bus, they were pounding that in our heads. You know, mm-hmm. you you and you aren't going to be here in a year. You're right. going to be dead.
3: And everybody in your in your uh, platoon and basic training, you guys were a blend, right? Of like guys that were drafted and guys that had. And volunteered? Uh, we didn't have draftees in in ours. Okay, but the Marine Corps was
2: drafting, right, during that time period. Uh, but in our platoon, we didn't. Okay, so uh, A
0: lot smaller numbers in the Marine Corps for draftees, just based sure. on the overall yeah. size. The size of the Corps. Yeah, yeah. but
2: right. I I know several guys here in Mankato who who were drafted. Yep. Yeah, they all seem to get good jobs though. (laughs) I don't know, I I know one that ran a a little store, a little PX on China Beef, each of all
3: places. Yeah, but then then who would be in the infantry town? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to have those too,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. For sure. That's true. Way, so you, you made it. That. So you made it through boot camp, obviously. And uh, what was that? What was that like into Vietnam? You said uh, on, on a ship, the same ship that uh, Mike took, right? Well, no, right?
2: no. The, the okay. Amhan Richard was when Mike was in. Oh, okay. Coming back from uh, Iraq the first time, and okay. the Navy has a program called the Tiger Cruise, where a relative or kin. Of uh, the crew, i.e., the Marines. Also, mm-hmm. uh, if the ship's final destination is a home port, you're allowed to fly and meet the ship and 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 get on the ship and come back with them.
3: Oh, okay. That was, yeah. from, that was from Iraq you got to ride back with yeah, you? Yeah, no. So uh, when, when you're coming
0: back either east coast or west coast they'll usually stop somewhere and then they'll fly in Advan. But you were coming back from Iraq. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: How cool was that? Yeah. It's like a head start on seeing family then. It's pretty kick ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so
0: he flew into Oahu, Honolulu yeah. and so we ported in Pearl Harbor and then flew Advan <sighs> back to Camp Pendleton for the Marines. All the Navy personnel stay, you know, with the ship but yeah. the Marines, I mean, I mean, we scrub floors and wash dishes when we're underway because there's <coughs> nothing for infantry Marines to do on a ship, right. you know, twiddle our thumbs until we get dropped off. So they, they offload all that ADVAN, uh, advance party, and then Dad and a couple other, there was a couple other uh, Vietnam vets uh, that were fathers or grandfathers of people that, that got on the ship, and so that last week from uh, Oahu back to San Diego, uh, going on to underneath Coronado Bridge in that area, he got to ride back in with us, so...
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember my, my kids, my, my my youngest kids uh, graduating uh, kindergarten and mm-hmm. how proud of him I was. I mean, that had been quite the experience to flow <laughs> back with your son after coming out of Iraq, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just overwhelming. I mean, not seeing him for so long and then um, under the circumstances, you know, being able to take that ride, um, you know, back to the port where everybody's excited to see him and proud of him. and. Mm-hmm. And everything like that—that's a—that's uh, an incredible experience. I thought it was—it was pretty cool, and,
0: and not to digress too much—to to watch him interact with like my Marines, like the other enlisted right. on there, um, and and to see uh, whether he knew it or not—you kind know, of saw the flicker of light in the eyes watching him just be a Marine, not right. dad. You know, mm-hmm. talking to other Gronson infantrymen, and uh, kind of getting the vibe and getting the the really dark, morbid sense of humor, and not being <laughs> offended by the jokes, and just right. kind of you know. Being there for the ride and enjoying it, uh, we're for you know how it is. There's some people that's a culture shock when you get into that small, close-knit group of the military.
3: Right, and you're like, are they mad at each other or are they like each yeah, other?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but the people that have been there and you've been away for it for so long, I can mm-hmm. only imagine not to you know put words in his mouth, but that that must have been uh, kind of like you know, old familiar glove or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, they were all grunts too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So, uh, yeah. how did
1: you get to Vietnam? Did you you took a you took a ship I assume or did you get Oh to fly? no you no, to fly? Uh, I I flew on Continental okay. Airlines okay out of El Toro
2: Marine Air Base which is no longer no longer there but uh, featured in the movie Independence. I was just going to say it got blown
1: up by the yeah. aliens. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you flew out of El Toro. That, that's what. Okay. All right. That's that's the base. So in, what was uh, it like arriving in Vietnam? Was that a was that just a culture shock or were you, or, or, or were you ready or you thought you were ready? Well, uh, a culture shock may be
2: be a little strong,
1: but uh, we land in
2: Okinawa first. Okay. And uh, they do a minor staging in Okinawa, so you're there sometimes up to a week or more. Okay, sure. And uh, for no reason other than a chance for them to mess with you. But uh, uh, every military base... Outside the main gate, don't you go in that part
3: of the town mm-hmm. right knows. away. Well, there's got to be a reason everybody doesn't want us going down there. We got to go down there and see what's going <laughs> go on. check it out. As soon as you get outside the gate, take me there.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had a little chance to uh, to click my heels together and have a little R and R before I even need, went to Vietnam. So
0: <laughs> So see the the trend there showed up to basic train hungover, showed up to Vietnam hungover. Right, right. <laughs> why not? <And laughs> Consistent.
2: Everything was a lot cheaper there. Mm. Everything. Okay. I think so, we can we can follow that. Yeah. 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 So uh when it came finally <clears throat> finally time to leave, I think my number got called manifested in about five days maybe, but so, they take us to Kadena Air Base. It's one of the largest air bases in the Pacific. And they put us on another, I don't even remember, it might have been Pan Am or whatever. And so, uh, of course, we were still from the night before lit mm-hmm. up like I was when I went to boot camp. And uh, maybe that's why my life went the way it did later on, too. <laughs> but uh, so you have a plane of 100 and some Marines all hung over. And they start the engines up on a seven hundred seven, and one of them doesn't start. Hmm. So they have us sit there and sit there. And sorry, we got some bad news. We have to change the engine, and it's going to take six hours. Oh no! So no, take your time, right? What are you going to do? So they took us to the NCO club. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about another mistake. <laughs> yeah.
0: for, the, for those that don't get that, too, that's a, the non-commissioned officers club. On most military installations, they have uh, on post a, a little bar. It's that's a bar. Just for, yeah. <laughs> it's and a en- bar. Enlisted. They might have some pool tables and some yeah. dartboards, but... You might get some uh, like stale popcorn too, but it's essentially a bar on post, so they hopefully don't go out in town and cause trouble. So there's old clubs too for officers, but yeah, I've I've DJed a couple uh, NCO clubs yeah. in, the, in my
1: in my youth. Sure. So uh, yeah, I, I, I we're with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it,
2: it, you got to remember, this is one of the main bases in the Pacific. Right. So, it's it, busy. I'd call it a nightclub. Okay. Yeah. And it's Air Force. Yes. Oh, so it's you nice. Know? And, uh, <laughs> Very nice. so, Very nice. they had slot machines, everything. Oh, nice. So, oh, there you uh, go. But, that's the last thing I did. But, anyways, uh, when finally did get us on, we landed in Da Nang. And, it, <laughs> of course, you know, my whole story's being hung over here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we landed in Da Nang about, Seven, eight hours later, and they opened up the door on the plane, and oh, my God, the smell. If you've been down to the river when people have been throwing carp up on the shore, you know, the day Mm -hmm. before, that's the immediate gush of air that came in. And it was just, it wrapped around you, not only the smell, but the heat and the humidity just instantaneously you were wringing wet. And then you know it. It took so long to unload the plane because this dickhead staff sergeant sitting there with his clipboard calling off numbers and names. You know, not unloading. He's mm-hmm. calling off groups of people. So you're sitting there with no air or nothing. <laughs> he, he he wanted to. Uh, he, he wanted to just rush him and get the helicopter plane, but. Uh, Manage to get off it and then you go to a staging area in Da Nang, which is a big air base, uh, right next to the runway. So uh, they want to put you on work details right away while you're waiting to be assigned to a unit somewhere in the country. And uh, uh, you're just kind of just existing there. You aren't really accomplishing anything you're next to the runway where the F-4 Phantoms are taking off with their afterburners so you aren't getting much sleep and you wanted to get
3: out of there no matter where you were going. Mm-hmm. So all the guys that came with you over the, over there, they were you guys all replacements or were you guys as a platoon as a whole? No, we were individuals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you guys were getting yeah. put in with another platoon somewhere.
2: Yep, yep, wherever they needed bodies. Right. Uh, I think, Probably out of the hundred or so on the plane, maybe four of them went up to Anwar or down to
0: ANWAL where I was, which was about thirty miles out of Tanang. And was it mix of enlisted and officers, or do you have any like senior officials on it, or is it all pretty much lower enlisted?
2: Uh, uh, mostly uh, from uh, E nothing up to okay, E sure. five, and then you have a few staff mixed in and. Uh and there a few officers, but you know, they didn't sit in the back with them.
0: <laughs> Mainly sergeants and below though. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So and uh then uh um uh, when your numbers finally called, they, they take you out to a unit, yep. you know, one, two, mm-hmm. three, four at a time. And uh I think maybe like four days there. Uh, and then I Got called to go to Anwa, which may sound familiar if you've ever done any reading. Uh, uh, Phil Caputo, that's a big portion of his book, Anwa on Arizona Territory. And uh, Louis Poehler Mm -hmm. uh, wrote Fortunate Son. Uh, He was there after me. Uh, so, uh, that might you might uh, remember that name from there. But hopped on a C-123, which is the airplane. Uh, it's like a two-engine C-130. If you ever saw Con Air, the movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the airplane. Okay, American classic. <laughs> yeah, yes. And all these movies are American classic, and that was the uh, the workhorse for all these little bases that either had uh, uh, metal runways or dirt runways that sure. only these planes could fly into. And so that was an experience in itself. Is, it's just like riding inside a, a big garbage can with, with uh, somebody beating on the side of it because there's <laughs> no insulation in it. So, yeah. so as
3: you're making your way along the, along the route here, do you feel like you're in danger at all? Along the way, I mean, do you, do you feel like you're, I mean, are you guys getting mortared at all or are you guys getting shot at at all uh, as, as of yet or still kind of working your way down in Nang, Not
2: yeah. in Denang. not uh, in Denang. Actually, uh, there were so many strange sounds, the artillery going out and sure. phantoms taking off with their afterburners that uh, you didn't know really what was going on. Right. You look off in the distance
3: and see the fireworks. Yep. Uh, everything was brand new. Yeah, you never to, experienced to, anything like it. Me, but, or, uh, yeah, you never experienced anything like that's it.
2: Kinda, that's kind of that's kind of the stuff you know. They they teach you everything uh, about the infantry or try to uh, while you're in basic and, and uh ITR you know and staging, but those kind of things they don't teach you. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just the sounds, the smells all of that kind of overwhelms you when you first get there, mm-hmm. you know, unless you've done it before.
4: Right.
2: And, you know, there were a few guys on the plane who were going back for their second tour, and, uh, you know, they didn't really say much. Uh, but once we got on that uh, puddle jumper, the C-123, uh, then you're, you start thinking because you're going and the— you know, The eggs behind you and you're flying over these mountains and you're flying over these paddies and you don't see anything moving down there but you see bomb craters all over the place full of water Uh, then you finally get down to where we're going to land at anwa and the plane circles between the mountains and then he dives down and reverses the engines as he's going down you hit that middle runway and you're sitting on a middle floor, hmm. and that's as shock as could be. And uh, Then you didn't know, uh, we weren't even issued weapons yet. Oh, wow. Until we got to uh, hmm. the armory at ANWA. So if the plane would have gone down or anything, uh, probably would have been the uh, uh, Loadmaster running around with his six shot thirty eight
0: trying to. Everyone you know, else just asking the breeze, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Feather, off I'll the, follow you. Yeah, feather
2: yeah. off the NBA. So. so,
0: besides going knowing you were going to Anwar did you have a like a battalion or a unit assignment that you knew of, or were you just going in knowing you're going to Anwa and you're going to pick up with somebody?
2: Uh, you know, I don't remember. Uh, it, I didn't have a company, but uh, or a platoon. I think I just had fifth uh, marines. sure that's fifth
3: marine regiment yep yeah was there a place that like you would have rather gone than somewhere else to really like that's a pretty good place where i'm going or you just had no idea yet
2: i didn't want to go to dong ha
3: okay uh or the
2: rock pile on a dmz sure uh so uh that was kind of a concern because i the one fellow i mentioned earlier from high school he uh, he was up on the dmz and and they were getting shelled 24-7, mm-hmm. you know, right right out of the DMZ. So uh, I, di- I didn't want to go there, but I didn't know what this place would be like right. either.
0: And the, the DMZ in Vietnam at that time would have been that line between North and South Vietnam, the yep. demil- yeah. de- demilitarized zone? Yep. Sure, kind of like a, a free, uh, nobody's, no man's land, yep. you know, like World War One, mm-hmm. you think of? It's yeah. literally no one's, yep. yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Did, we had the line across that. DMZ from Kason, Camp Carroll, Rockpile, uh, Joe Lynn. They were all all had a company or two of Marines on them. And yeah. did yeah.
0: you did you know the the kind of history and lineage of Fifth Marines when you were going into it? No, from Marine Corps. No, camp? absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Well, that's different from when I went went through basic training. As you knew, a lot of the, the decorated Marine Corps infantry regiments and. Uh, 5th Marines uh, is the most decorated infantry regiment in the Marine Corps, uh, going back to World War One and the Battle of Belleau Wood is Bella one of the big Woods. ones. Um, and actually, 5th Marines is the only, excuse me, the only uh, infantry regiment that gets to wear uh, a French forage that's an honor that was bespo- bestowed on them by the French government back then because <laughs> of the fighting they did in Belleau Wood too. So. Uh, who would have thought the Marine Corps got to wear flare like the Army, but there's right. one, one regiment that does. That's pretty cool. That's 5th yeah. Marines. I didn't know that.
3: I uh, didn't either. That's uh, awesome.
0: And I'm, I'm stealing his thunder a little bit, but the spe- specific battalion within 5th Marines uh, that he'll, he'll uh, lead into that he ends up getting assigned with, 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines, is the most decorated infantry battalion in the Marine Corps history
3: because you were in it, Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
3: laughs> yeah. It wasn't when he got there, but when he left. Yeah, he left. Yeah, left. yeah, it it left. Left. yeah. yeah. zero hesitation yeah. there. By the way, it was uh-huh. third. It was when I got that back. third when he got there. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so when you you checked into uh, Anwa and you started going, when did you find out you were going to two uh, 2nd battalion, fifth? Uh the minute that I got there, they yeah. call out a roster and said, "McLaughlin, you're going two 5 Well, t- that that was that was their
2: rear area. Okay, was uh, Anwa. Okay for 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. And and uh, I didn't know what company, but, I would, you know, same thing. You you, you go to a hooch and you sit there and uh, they sign you. You're going to Echo Company. Okay.
3: Any of the guys that you flew down with then, or, you know, from the state side that you flew down to Anwal with, were, were those guys uh, ended up being in the same platoon as you? Did any of those guys? Uh, or, like, who was, like, your first original no. friend when you got into the platoon? Who was your... I mean, right away, when I, like, right, right away when I got into my platoon, uh, uh, Land became my best friend, you know, and just kind of, he kind of buddied me up. He like, oh, man, you're all jacked up. We fix your stuff, you know, and like, this is what you need to be doing when you're here, and this and that, and he just kind of, I just followed him around, you Jack, know, like a little Jack part. is jacked up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right.
0: <laughs> well, so I, you know, not, not coming, because for me and you, Jack, we were, you know, stateside when we got dropped right. with our unit, and it, and it happens, I think, in Iraq and Afghanistan, where you do get some single augments that come right. over. Pretty rare, um, yeah. What. When, when you got uh, dropped and you found out you were going to 2.5 Echo, was the company at Anwa. Were they out on mission? Or were they just coming off mission? Or were they getting ready to go? What was kind they of they
2: ju- They had just come in from uh, operation. I think it was Starlight. Okay, uh, sure. I, they kind of mixed together their Starlight and Christmas Village. Uh, uh, I think that's... Uh, company commander got the Navy cross on that operation Wow
0: and I, starlights where they uh, they rolled in the b-52s and did a lot had to do a lot of the carpet bombing up there essentially no that's that's not that's not starlight was an actual operation
2: uh, Light was the b52s Arclight. Okay, arc light was the b-52s and uh, they'd make the angle worms jump out of the ground sure.
3: they did their, their bombing.
0: What was I, your, what was I, your first impression of the the guys that coming back in those? Right, that's what I
3: was, that's kind of what I was getting. at. I was going to ask you how you know as a replacement how how were you treated then with the guys that like just came like off a of mission? Shit. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean, here the FNG. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't really. They were FNGs once too, and uh, they'd lived through a couple operations, so uh, you know they didn't uh, really care to get. Uh, be the welcome wagon for anybody new coming, and right. uh, you kind of just again almost like boot camp. You kind of just wanted to do what you were told at first, right? And because you're walking around, and uh, if you're lucky, uh, a new flak jacket or at least a clean flak jacket, and you got new utilities with sure. your fatigues, yep. and you if you got jungle boots, they were shiny. I mean, you know, you could walk across the uh, the whole base, and everybody would know you were FNG, right,
0: based on your and, boots. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: so you'd see guys kicking mud on their right. on their boots and stuff to try and look salty, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the first uh, first week, I didn't go out on anything. Uh, we had. We had some indoctrination. They did tell us a little bit about our area, uh, what we were doing there, or what our mission was supposed to be. And what did they say that was? What uh, did they tell you, at least? Uh, we were, Anwa was at the end of a supply chain coming out of Da Nang. It was called Liberty Road, in one way. And then if you went another direction, there was an outpost called Nong Song where the only coal mine in South Vietnam. And our, our area was from An Hoa to the river where Liberty Bridge was on the way to Da Nang or out to Nong Song. Sure. But in the other direction, to the east, there was a river, and across that river was Arizona Territory. And that basically was, was a bad place. You, yeah. you didn't want to go to Arizona Territory, and uh, we would run uh, battalion-sized operations in there to try and keep the NVA and the, and the Viet Cong
3: out of there. Yeah, and people uh, for not listening, not knowing, or uh, that don't know listening, I and mean, that's a very large operation. That's I mean, yes. that's huge. Yes 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 and uh, of course
2: being in the Marine Corps we never would see really anybody outside of our company right Uh, most of the time we were moving in platoon size uh, units and then we'd Get up with our company at night, and then if we need, if we formed up for a blocking force or something, then we might line up and up meeting up or something. Yeah. Like. So uh, we did several with one five uh, at Hill fifty five, and and uh, that's actually where I I saw or had a take care of my first casualty was uh, uh, at Hill fifty five there. But
0: uh, when, when so sorry when you when you picked up with your uh your unit and you know you had the kind of that weak indoctrination uh with the unit was there like specific platoon procedures or like this is what we do in the field if you know break contact or this is what we do for assault through an ambush was there any of that from no. your, your guys it was no. Just more no keep your mouth shut and follow don't it. die yep yeah.
2: yep yep your squad leader is so-and-so your fire team leader is so-and-so uh just do what they do what you. they say and uh that's, that's what I tried to do. I actually had, had a pretty good squad leader right away who, who uh, uh, treated me, I guess, fairly well. Uh, even the, the, first, uh, <laughs> the first mission, our patrol, I guess we would called it then, was uh, we were going out on a mine sweep out to Nongsong, which is where the coal mine was, uh, before the uh, uh, the convoy could go through. And uh, the distance would probably be from here to Madison Lake. Sure. And so we had a squad and uh, engineers who rode on a, on a M, uh, let's see, what are they, MC, 72 the mules they called them they were like a a version of a jeep without a body they were just a platform they used to put 106 recoilless rifles on them and that's was the engineer's gear
0: it's a steering column and a flathead essentially looking back it's
3: like this is the best
0: we
2: could do huh yeah Yeah. It actually was a damn good vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> not Jack. <laughs> for, for no, well, what could break? Leave the mule alone. There was what nothing break? to break. Right. <laughs> you know, you were totally exposed. Huh. I mean, yeah. you, you didn't yeah. have to worry about anything. It
0: would just shoot you. Right. <laughs> That's why Jack's so positive he can't sprain an ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, you didn't jump off that. You got
2: you, yeah, Right. <laughs> you got off. off. Of you. Yeah. So, but... Uh, so, so that patrol was, uh, we would have our squad out in front of the minesweepers. Makes a lot of sense. Right. Still do the same thing today. And, and then and some, behind the, and some behind the mule, which is the vehicle. And uh, so we started off, and uh, going out the wire, uh, the squad leader gave me the radio. And I hadn't had a radio since basic training it. And uh, he says, uh, uh, When I tell you to, after we go so so far, I'm going to tell you to call Cassandra and tell them we've got uh, checkpoint one, checkpoint two, checkpoint three. And so I'm thinking there, who the hell is this Cassandra? Mm-hmm. You know, and the radio, that's how much I knew about radio procedure. But, anyways, uh, we started out and I had. All my other gear on. I had uh, had all my ammo, grenades, and machine gun ammo on me, and uh, a couple canteens, and flak jacket, and I had a bunch of weight on me. And then, so I got to carry this thirty-pound uh, radio. I think they were lucky you. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. You know, right away we're going out the gate, and I'm saying, "Jeez, you know, he thinks so much of me, he's going to let me carry this <laughs> for him."
4: <laughs> and it got to go you know checkpoint one
2: checkpoint two checkpoint three the sun got higher yeah. it got hotter checkpoint four <laughs> the sun got higher I started to get wobbly and it, I, I don't know it was probably over 100 degrees <laughs> and uh, right now the road was baked as hard as concrete because it was a dry season and and
0: uh what time of year was
2: this it was the dry season, so that would have been in uh let's see it got to April may may okay, it would have probably been in may and uh so i'm I'm sitting there God, carrying this radio and and I'm just getting just about ready to to drop and uh he came back to me, you know he was like. Right in front of me. He came back to my back behind me, took the radio off my shoulder, gave it to a, another guy in the fire team. And uh, so then, you know, I made it out to, to the end of the mission and uh, nothing happened that day. Uh, and to this day, I think he was just testing me. Right,
0: to see if you'd complain or break your arm. Yeah. You.
2: I think he was just testing me because I got along with him till. Uh, he he rotated out he actually made it
3: out so you yeah, know it sure helps to pass that first test <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know just kind of get a little crud you know yep. underneath your belt you Yep, know? yep and and uh uh so who, who
0: who was the call sign for Cassandra was that your company call sign yeah that two? that that was
2: company radio
0: Okay. Shack. Yeah. we, we were called, a charger yeah for you not we were yeah. no love was our platoon sure. call sign yeah. and chromite was yep. our our battalion so yeah whenever we were out
2: on a A minesweeper, a night ambush, or uh, or, uh, a listening post. We always, you know, obviously called in radio checks. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, so they kind of knew where we were. And if you were on a listening post, if you called in, they knew you were alive. Uh, So uh,
3: There was times, too, I heard, like, stories of, like, guys that would just lay in the, just talking about the radio stuff, you know, that would have the enemy so close to you that you couldn't even talk on the radio mm-hmm. you would just key right yep. mm-hmm. and stuff like that I mean I've heard stories of of, uh, of uh, yeah. Vietnam more often you know it's not like something that happened one time was something that was pretty regular yeah, yeah. you press Let, that handset and it yeah. Yeah. creates
0: a squelch yeah. oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah so, clicking the handset yep. you know. sure.
2: yeah a lot of those are LPs or recon you know
0: yeah. they actually,
2: LPs just a fire team three guys
0: yeah. actually yeah. you talking about American Classics and Con Air earlier you know Growing up with a, you know, Marine Vietnam vet, I grew up around Platoon and Full Metal Jacket, (laughs) Uh. Hammerger Hill and all those things too. And that was, remember that scene in Mm -hmm. uh, Platoon where they're getting overrun and the company commander saying, son, if... If you can't, if it's too hot, yeah. double click twice on the the handset, so I know right. you're there. Yeah, uh, okay. and that's you know something you go through with just basic radio stuff in the military now too, as yep. far as when you're doing uh, mm-hmm. silent ops. So,
1: well, I, I wanted to ask too with the uh, with the platoon reference, and uh, there's two that come to mind: is platoon and uh, of all things, force Gump, uh, when he arrives, <laughs> and uh, you know, and Lieutenant Dan's like, you don't need this, you don't need that to keep your socks dry. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Did did you have a moment like that, oh, or sure. where somebody was like, all right, like, don't sure. carry all this stuff. With you, don't carry all that, or did you have to learn? Throw that your artwork?
0: underwear away. Yeah. Okay. Throw your yeah. underwear away. Uh, joke's on you. I don't wear any First thing. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, was i supposed to bring some. <laughs>
0: yeah. They didn't, pay, they yeah, didn't issue just, me any of those. Yeah, I just got it. Mm-hmm.
2: These are new. <laughs> the oh, <only> a new thing. <laughs> I yeah, got. Yeah. New. Throw your underwear away. So
1: that was kind of your first, uh, your first little uh, foray outside of the yep. wire. Was that? Uh, was yep. that? Uh, now, was that a regular thing? Now, were you guys doing patrols uh, like that weekly or daily, or uh, what was that like?
2: Uh, it was at least weekly, okay. At least weekly, because there was a uh, there was a company out there on at this at this coal mine up on the mountain in uh, mm-hmm. three different stages, and it actually uh, uh, I was there the night it got overrun, and uh, w- w- one of the uh, uh, Marines there got the Medal of Honor that night. Mm. Yeah, so.
0: So with that yeah. that progression uh, from being new in country, uh, you know, obviously you're not a team leader, you're not a squad leader at right. that point. Um, you know, w- when do you uh, think, or you know, was there a point in time you you felt like you started to get acclimated to the pace and the rigor mm-hmm. of patrol, and then not just the presence patrols and the mine sweeps, but the actual missions? What do you remember a moment or an operation where that kind of you switched in your mind from being a FNG or a cherry to just one of the Marines? Well, the first time reality hit me in the head was uh, uh,
2: about a month into it. You know uh, we, had, uh, we had several incidents where, where guys were blowing up on 105 rounds and, and uh, uh, the guys out on the flanks, you when know, we did the mine sweeps the other way. Going towards the Nang, we'd have flanks out a couple hundred yards, and uh, you know that was uh, uh, always—you really had to watch your step there. And uh, we lost several guys during that first month who who tripped 105, or stepped on 105 Mm -hmm. rounds, and and uh, so that was kind of a a awakening. we didn't have anybody the first month die in a firefight or anything like that, but uh, after that, uh, uh, we were on a mission with uh, operation with 1-5 in their territory, and, and we were going out at probably five in the morning or whatever, it was still dark, and, and we were on tracks for the first time and uh heading off from hill 55 and a couple thousand yards out uh the lead track hit or was a command detonated mine and uh, i was on the second track and it blew me off the second track and blew up the one in front of me and uh they had uh i think three marines or four marines out in front of it and of course they they didn't make it but uh after you know we've got formed uh defensive position and everything they never attacked us uh they just uh, uh blew that up and, and the track blew up and and we had those casualties and and uh, they met a fact a few guys and and uh when the sun finally came up, they were picking up all the pieces, and they were getting ready to move out and go around that track and continue the uh, going out in the operation, and I was still the newest guy in in my squad, and so they gave me... Uh, uh, it wasn't even a, a body bag. It, it was like... Uh, uh, have you ever seen those green bags with the ties like for laundry Mm -hmm. and they had the torso of one of the Marines in there Mm. and they handed them to me and told me to stay and wait for the helicopter to come in and so they're going away the column's going by me probably a dozen tracks and all the Marines and I'm sitting there by the side of the road And uh, finally, it got by me, and they just kept going. The rear rear guard, I could see them well yet, and and I'm thinking, you know, first of all, I got, I'm trying to respect this, this uh, fellow torso that I have, and uh, finally, you know, I did hear a helicopter come in. and he landed, you know. End of story. I yeah. threw threw him on the to the, mm-hmm. to the uh, crew on the air, airport, and I, I caught up to the operation, and, and we went on probably a three
0: week operation after that. Uh, and when and when you you say operation, you mean you mean you're, there's no flush toilets, running water, you're humping all your oh floors, yeah your yeah ammo it's out everything. in the
3: field. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're out in the field for. So, we're, we're, was there was there malaria medication and stuff like that back then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys obviously took that every
2: day. I mean, I took it because I didn't want to get malaria because I saw enough guys. And what did I get? Malaria. I malaria. You
3: did get it. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I took it all the time, but I'll tell you, uh, it saved my life because uh, yeah. they finally medevaced me in, in July with malaria and they sent me into Da Nang and when I got ambulatory uh they put me out on uh, USS Repos the hospital ship and so I went out there to recover uh you know I was done with the fever and all that and we went up and down China uh out of out of China Beach the naval uh, naval facility there just south of it and uh so uh, I got a little in-country R&R on the ship, yeah. uh, even though you know I wasn't 100% strength. But that was the time when the uh, uh, USS Forrestal blew up. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that, but that was John McCain's yep. aircraft carrier. Yep,
0: Navy aircraft carrier.
2: And one of the missiles went off on... Mm. on the deck and hit the plane in front of it and of course they were all loaded for for, for war, uh, yeah. yeah and they blew up and and the hospital ship obviously there were two of them there and we were the closest ones so they put us right up off the bow of it and we got to see the whole uh, whole episode where they're pushing the planes off and then they started flying the casualties to the sure. hospital ship and, uh, number one, that was quite an experience, but, uh, you know, to see it, see it in real life and, and there was, I think 300 and some guys died on it. I see must felt helpless as ever. Yeah. Yeah. I sure did. And they, hospital ships got a huge morgue on it yeah. and they filled it up. And they closed down one of the chow lines and
3: used the walk-ins to mm. bring more the coolers, yeah. Bring yeah. more bodies. in. I think yeah. that's the one thing a lot of people don't uh, understand about about war is that there's so many things that we have control over over there. You know, we have control over how we move, how we do things, and, mm-hmm. and we're always trying to control all the outcomes and all that. But when we find ourselves in situations like that where people are hurting or in trouble or whatever and you can't do a thing about it mm-hmm. that's about the worst feeling in the world
2: yeah. it is it yeah. really is and you, you know uh <clears throat> i was happy to be out on the ship because i wasn't out in the field right but when you know seeing that and in the results of results of that fire were uh you know Devastating. The Navy still yeah. uses yeah. that as yeah. a, like
3: About a worst case scenario yeah, situation. That, yep. yeah. That's
2: probably the right word because, you know, when they close the chow line down, they're bringing they're still bringing the Boy, charred yeah. bodies through while we're down there eating and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know we probably all would know what burning flesh smells like, and it didn't quite bother the Marines as much as it did some of the sailors, but you'll never forget that either. You no, know, I, I never will. But the bright side is after after they went into Denang and unloaded the patients and the bodies, they gave the repos R and R. So you had to go. So afterward. the ship went down to <laughs> Singapore. Oh. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough that I was still on it, and I got to go with the ship down to Singapore for an R
0: and R. So after Singapore, he showed back up to Vietnam, hungover.
1: Again, <laughs> yet again, yet again. again? You
0: uh, but I wasn't alone. The whole ship showed up that
2: yeah. way. Oh, but man, that's uh, funny. Singapore, same thing. You hop in a cab. You don't go here, here. Take us here, here. yeah, yeah Take, us, take there us there right away. Take uh, us to Bogey Street. You Bogie know where we Street. want to go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Take us to Bogey Street. And, uh, and so we finally did get back to uh, Da Nang, uh,
3: I was probably ten days later than I should have been. But when, when you were in, sorry, one more question: When you were in Singapore, then was there a lot of uh, you? Could you see a lot of other soldiers and stuff like that around, or was it pretty much very scarce? You know, soldiers around, or I mean, Marines.
2: Uh, Singapore wasn't R city, but you know, everybody changed clothes when they right. got to Singapore. But it also was a, a Big naval facility. To okay, so us. there was
3: a lot of Americans so, around yep. there. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. And uh, it's uh, Singapore's. Excuse me. Really a unique place because there's some people from all over the world that bled it in there, right. and it's it's high finance and business, and mm-hmm. still quite a bit of the British pl- presence there.
0: A big international hub from you know, yeah. all
2: over. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and you know it'd be kind of fun to go back there. Yeah. But. The exchange? pictures I've seen of it uh, don't even look the same. The exchange rate's
0: oh. not in our favor over there, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I heard from a lot of the Navy Got to worry about that exchange yeah. rate. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so just kind of timeline-wise, you know, you get into uh, Vietnam, April, you know, get, get out to ANWA, get with 5th Marines, kind of do your first, you know, couple uh, patrols and then uh, the your mission... Uh, you know, starting in May, and then malaria hits in July-ish of that year. So when you went to the Repose, uh, were you still considered an FNG at that point, or were you kind of transitioning into, uh, you know, more just one of the guys? Maybe not senior, but, you know, just more one of the regular Marines? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. And pretty so when, much by then. So when you yeah. came came back from the repro, Repose and hooked up with your unit again, were you, you treated like one of the guys, or were you treated yeah. like, okay, yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, you lucky son of a bitch, you got yep. to go. Glad to, to have you before. back, though. So, yeah, so everyone busts yeah. your balls and yeah. you know they actually yeah. care about yeah. you yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> give me <laughs> shit about that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but it, it, here's the part where it saved my life. Uh, wh- when it came back, uh, I checked into the battalion aid station, and uh, they gave me light duty, uh, three-day light duty. And the mine sweep... Uh, that was going out to where my company was at Liberty Bridge, the other direction from Nonsong, made it uh, uh, 500 yards outside the gate and was completely wiped out.
4: Oh my God! What wow. And
2: you were supposed to be on Broad daylight. daylight. And you were supposed
3: to be on that. Hadn't it been for light duty?
2: If I wouldn't have been on light duty, I would have. What what size of
0: an element was that? That was going out. Was it a platoon size? Or? It
2: was the same thing. It was a mine sweep with. Uh, uh, M-74, mm-hmm. Mule, engineers, uh, the squad of grunts, and uh, first lieutenant with the pay uh, paymaster yeah. going out to the base at Liberty Bridge. So did
3: you guys do that patrol one too many times and they just ambushed called. you? We did it all the time. Right, they just we knew it coming. did it all the
2: time, and they took it lightly, and, and they went around and shot every one of them through the head. Right. Yeah, you know? so... You know, that's, that tragedy saved my life from, from another tragedy. Right.
0: And that's, I mean, in, in uh, war, I mean, as,
3: as we all know, and yeah. uh, you know, it, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. I say know? all the time that the, the closest to, uh, the day that I was closest to being killed probably wasn't the day that I was blown up. Right. You know.
0: Right. Right. No. Right. So, so you got that three-day light duty uh, transition after that, that ambush with that that uh, patrol going out. Did, did they still keep patrolling that, or did they fly out, or how? how did oh you
2: no! You? Oh no! No, we're back out there. Might have been the next day. They sent a. They sent a. Uh, a response. What do you call it? Uh, QRF. QRF. Yeah. yeah. For a graphic Force. Yeah. Out there and picked up the pieces and everything. And uh, ironically, the lieutenant threw his satchel with the paymaster stuff in it and it was laying in the <laughs> ditch
1: hmm. so they found the found they, the pay uh, yeah. I got you Crazy. boys. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. they uh
2: they fired recoilless rifle into the motor sure. of that M72 or M74
3: that was one of our biggest nightmares in Afghanistan yeah. they still were they were using those in Afghanistan yeah, but,
0: yeah.
2: but I ran into
3: a, a guy who was on the
2: response team and and uh he and another, two other Marines, were left out there that night after they picked up all the pieces yep. as an LP. Mm. And I tell you, he he was messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking to me at the reunion. His eyes were still big as silver dollars. Yeah. And, and they left us out
0: there. Was that just to see if the enemy came back through? Yep. To, yeah. And kind of purpose of that, if... Man listening post, you just report back what you see size, element, yeah. movement, direction, or was that mm-hmm. to maybe call for? Well,
2: it would have been in that case, uh, it would have been just to see if they came back to the scene of the crime, sure.
3: Uh, the listening posts were out all the time. Heck, I get scared out of deer hunting, <laughs> <I'm scared laughs> <of me. laughs> sitting by myself out there in the woods, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So,
0: so you get back to your unit um and were they when you got back to your unit were they out coming off a mission getting ready to go how was that transition they were out at
2: the bridge and uh i finally got out there uh i don't know if it was next day or the day after and uh i can't remember if that's uh uh uh, if, if that's when the typhoon hit or not. But anyways, uh, the bridge we were guarding out there, I think that was right after right after that, that uh, ambush in July. And uh, I got out there just in time for that. And basically the bridge crossed the river and there were two little hills on either side and the bridge was connected to it and the monsoon wiped out this bridge that we were supposed doing to get, all security yeah. on all this time, and they never were able to blow it up, but the damn typhoon <laughs> took it out.
0: Yeah, Don't, mess, don't mess with modern well, nature. One yeah. less thing to worry about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yep, yep. So th- this is end of July, early August, 67, somewhere in that range? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, moving from that, I mean, the unit, uh, keep picking up the same uh same old uh like patrolling operations uh too, that you were doing before was there anything else in between there
2: Oh yeah yeah we we uh I think twice during that summer we were over in Arizona territory sure and uh you know if you're keeping score I think they won hmm. uh cuz uh, we lost uh, we lost uh, quite a few people there and uh Didn't get many, didn't get many of them, so. uh, But we kept them from doing what they were doing, I guess is what we were told. You know, the fact of our presidents, they had to pack up and leave, and uh, very seldom would they stand and fight. Uh, When they did, you know, it was a real cluster, but.
0: And was, was that, were you seeing in Arizona, uh, were you seeing uh, Viet Cong or North Vietnamese Army Both, regulars? Both. Both, Okay. Yeah. And what about uh, in that area, too, because I think I'd heard you mention it. Was there any other uh, Allied forces? Was there any, no. uh, there was no, no Korean Marines in that area no. in Arizona? No, okay. no,
2: I only saw the Korean Marines one time and in, in, in the, the Thai, Thai Marines one time they were, I think passing through that little airstrip in yeah. Sure,
0: that's a, a lot of people uh, forget that we actually had other partnering force allies in country, Australians too, correct? A lot of yeah. Australians. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna
3: say, when I was in Afghanistan, that's the only other country I seen, actually out in AO, not like at Kandahar, but like actually out in AO area yeah. of operations, I would, we, we had Aussies cutting roads in for us.
2: Oh, yeah. they're, New Zealand, yeah. uh, South Korea, uh, North Korea on the other side,
3: yeah, uh, Malaysia, uh, did you ever run into anybody trying to help out the the, the Viet Cong or any of those guys? Like other other nationalities, you know, countries or like North Korea or China? Yeah. Did you ever run into any of those guys Russian helping out? Here.
2: Well, we killed some awful big Vietnamese. Sure. You hmm. know, what uh, be Chinese uh, average height of the Vietnamese is probably five foot. Right. And there were some that were six foot almost. Right. So kind of guessed what they were. Right. right. Yeah. In fact, when Nong Song, that night that it got overrun, they uh, drug a Czechoslovakian flamethrower up there and <clears throat> toasted a Army spotlight team that was on the hill. So it was truly international. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's... The more things change the more they stay the same. Right. You know, mm-hmm. even back then it was an excuse to, you know, fight democracy and come to that area too and a chance to kill Americans. I bet for a lot of them they saw was easy and the same thing. Um the current wars, a lot of people don't know that a lot of foreign fighters, Chechnians and former Soviet bloc, you know, mercenaries were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Right, absolutely. You know, advisors and fighters too.
2: Oh, they had Cubans in, in interrogating our uh, POWs. <laughs> hmm. Sure.
0: It, and so, at this time frame, were you transitioning from just one of the guys to fire team leader? Yeah, I was. I was fire team leader. What was that transition like? Once uh, responsibility would, for others, just not yourself anymore. Yeah, uh, it was. It, it really wasn't too big a
2: change because uh, uh, fire team leader, we'd go out and do the LPs, the yeah. listening posts and stuff. Well, you're out there anyways. Uh, you still have to take your watch. Right. Mm-hmm you know, still got to make sure that the other guy's awake, and then you have to do your, you still have to do your thing. And
3: Were you feeling more pressure to get all your guys back inside the wire, let alone more than just yourself now? Uh, Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, like, I gotta get these guys back, you know, and when before it was like, I just gotta get back in the wire.
2: Yeah. Really, really, uh, in that situation where there's only three uh, out, uh, you have a fire team leader, but you feel like one, right? You know, uh, he, his buddies. He he's basically getting you out there and bringing you in and making sure that you you pass the watch. But yeah. uh, it, other than that, it's, he's just another guy, right? But there are times when you take your fire team out and you during the daytime and you you go out and check a something suspicious out, and, and then you know. You, then you had to really be in charge then because you didn't know what you were, were getting into. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So,
0: how, how long were you a fire team leader before you progressed up to squad? Uh,
2: well, there's fire team one, two, three, four, and you work your way up. And a lot of it's through attrition. Uh, you know, somebody gets killed or somebody gets wounded or somebody rotates. Yep. So if fire team leader's doing all right, they move them up. And you might stay first fire team leader, that'd be the, right below the squad leader. You might stay that for quite a while. Yep. Simply because if you get a good squad leader, you want to keep them. Uh, very few times did they take a fire team leader from another right, another squad and, and and give unless, they, unless there was a casualty so I actually didn't get uh, my squad squad leader position until uh, just before we moved up north uh, up to Fubai and uh, so I took over from actually a guy they took the squad away from because he just wasn't
3: wasn't Kyle for it
2: he wasn't. He was uh, uh, not at all. Not no, at no, all. Well, not everyone's
0: so. got the temperament or the attitude for it. So. Yeah,
2: he 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 basically got it through time and grade because he'd been there forever, and, sure, and managed to to be around, but so they gave it to him and tried it and they relieved him of the squad and gave it to me.
0: Didn't work out. So what, what time was, was that then? Was that you're looking end of 67 or are you talking?
2: That was the end of 67 when yeah. I got my, I only had my squad for a couple of months. So November-ish, December, Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, And, and um, when we kind of did the opening, there was a mention of uh, Rick in there, another squad leader. Was he kind of around the same time in country as you in your platoon working his way through too? Did you know him before? Uh, you know, kind of coming through the ranks? Well, uh, that's a funny deal. Uh, I came over in the plane, mm-hmm.
2: and there were still Marines coming over on ships. And uh, I went walking by the, the company office one day when we were in the rear, and there's these three guys, and they're all brand new, shiny green gear. And uh, they had just Taken the last ship uh, from the states, sure to Vietnam. They were now going to fly him over, yep. but one of them was Rick.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: And so I had him by a week. <laughs> so there you go. So you're super salty then. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> super you know, salty. Listen up, boot. <laughs> I walked by him with my chest, yeah. and everything, yeah. and uh, so he he went to a, he went to a different squad and. So we were basically there about the same time, and we kind of worked our way up through the fire team thing. And uh, he got his squad uh, a little before me. Uh, And he was the John Wayne type, and he's still redneck to today. He's one of the few guys that...
0: (laughs) And that you don't mean that in me. a negative way, like when people say they tried John Wayne and somebody and got themselves in trouble, uh, or, or uh, a little
2: bit of both. Yeah, he a little cavalier maybe. Most of the guys that John Wayne are aren't here to speak about it. But, yeah, uh, he he was gun ho. He let's get those son of a bitches. And you know, oh, yeah. he, <laughs> his uh,
3: battle drill was go.
2: Huh. <laughs> his one battle drill was go. Yeah. Yep. It, it, that's true. That's true. Even even the day he was ambushed, he was just madder than hell. <laughs> geez <laughs> you know and and uh, he's one of the main reasons that, that uh, I was trying so hard to get to him because they were getting right. I think they he had four four killed and lost a corpsman and yep. and all that and he was still out there slugging it out but uh, and I knew it was him right I knew it was his squad and where was he from? Uh, Do you remember he he was from Indiana, but okay. he moved to Colorado. Okay, and he's had an up and down life ever since. Yeah, he's been he's been a millionaire. He's been busted. He's been everything, every just about everything. Living the still, American dream, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, he's the guy that you keep track of him. His address changes, all you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he'll call you. Right,
0: There's right. A, a old recaptured video from Good Morning America uh, back in was it 1982? Was it the Wall dedication or was it, 80, was it, oh. it was 84? Yeah, where they had uh, he he was trying to get a, a reunion uh, together of his, his unit. You know? Yeah, um, and they brought him out for Good Morning America and talked about the Welcome Home to the Vietnam uh, veterans and and they surprised him with Rick and a couple of the other guys from their old platoon came out uh, <laughs> first time seeing each other and. All those years, uh, so we well, a family friend of ours was able to go through like the archives and like transition from the old you know, yeah. media print to a digital, so you can view it on your you know, smartphone now and everything else. So was, it was really cool to see, um, you know, that and still have it to look back on. So, um, so you're you're up up north moving. You say Fubai. Yeah, and that's and a '67. Uh, you got a squad. Uh, what's Operation tempo looking like up there uh, in that area? Well, w-
2: we were at Fubai for uh, maybe less than a week, and then they put us on trucks and we went up through Way and went north of Way, over north, the northwest over towards uh, Laotian border, uh, south of Quezon, we re- relieved some Third uh, Marine Division guys, and uh, we basically took over their area for about two weeks, and that was when they were building up for for Tet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have much uh, going on. In fact, it was too quiet. You know, we figured where we were in the country was really bad, bad country, and we could not make contact and they didn't contact uh, us, attempt to contact us. So, uh, kept hearing things that there was movement out in the mountains and all that stuff. And, and so, uh, after a couple of weeks, we came back through with everybody and
0: went back through Wei and down to Phu Bai. And Wei is the historical capital. Imperial of, uh, capital. Unified Vietnam, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: okay. yep. Imperial capital. That's uh, that's interesting. So there you're you you guys are up there now and it's too quiet and you're wondering. Yes. And so what, what led to uh, you know up to that uh, Tet ten offensive in the uh, you know that, that last that last operation? Well, then then after we, we came back down through
2: way we went back to Fubai and re, re, resupplied and then we went Echo Company went down Highway 1 uh, from Fubai from way basically down to, there a, was a place uh, on just north of the High Van Pass uh, where Highway 1 and one of the railroads ran through uh, north and south through Vietnam and, and there was a tunnel there. It's was kind of on the coast okay. and the Navy Seabees had a rock crusher there so they took our company and had us uh relieve whoever was there we did security for the rock crusher and we ran patrols out into out into the valleys uh inland from the from the coast and uh probably about a week week and a half and and we had contact and uh uh we had some fights and and we had some casualties, but we 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 uh, killed killed some North Vietnamese, and uh, that's where the John Wayne part came up. Uh, uh, not more than more than a thousand yards off the road, uh, they had uh, uh, between the mountains. Uh, for whatever reason, the staff sergeant who just was thought he was mr. spit and polish and wanted everything even in the field he wanted you shaved and everything <laughs> and somehow the company gunny there was a, a, a fight in uh, just a thousand yards and he killed two of them and there was one in a spider hole uh, basically a hole in the ground mm-hmm. he flipped the top back and so those two idiots were going to go get him John Waynham <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: And he shot the he shot the staff sergeant, and killed him, and hit the gunny through the arm, through the elbow, and messed him up bad. And I don't know if it was one of the guys from my squad or or Rick's squad, but they went and killed the guy. So here's these two idiots. Uh, you know, rest their soul, but they brought it on themselves. Right. And, never send a body where a bullet can yep, go. Right. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, so that, that was the only action we had until uh, January 30th. Uh, they had me take my squad up on one of the mountains and, and uh, do a forward listening post up there, squad size. And oh, about midnight on the 31st, all this noise started, and down below, south of the rock crusher, there was a village. And they had PFs in there, which is Popular Forces, They're kind of their National Guard. And you could see tracers coming in and out and going off in the sky and everything. It looked like the 4th of July. And uh, so that was the beginning of Tet. And they were attacking that village, so I tried putting some 81 uh, illumination over the village and there was so much squawking on the radio that they put it over the CBs and not the village and stuff. And mm. So we were up there watching the whole thing, calling it in and, and we couldn't do anything because we were up in the mountaintop. Uh, and uh, so we sat up there and watched the start of the Ted Offensive and the next morning did it feel like something bigger at the
3: time, or just feel just like everything it? popping off? Did it feel like something bigger? Yeah, yeah, from the radio traffic. You knew that you knew that something was going on. Oh, I mean, you oh, knew yeah, that the it radio was radio traffic. Yeah. It was. It was. This was yeah. much larger than anything else that yes. had happened so far. Yes. Yes. So, the
2: radio traffic. Plus, we had been rumors. You know, there's a rumor yeah. now and in <laughs> the military. <laughs> <laughs> that knew the, it every
3: day, right?
2: That <laughs> the recon was counting these. NVA going towards the coast for weeks. I and mean, they weren't counting any going back. Oh. Mowing you know? <laughs>
1: up, yeah. yeah, it's it's
3: ding, pretty ding, clear. ding, yeah. ding yeah. Pretty good giveaway. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And the Ashaw Valley's right behind our backs. Mm-hmm. In fact, we could probably see it from where I was up there. And that's tomorrow. where they were taken off to then? That and mean? that's where they come up, and then mean, they came yeah. in from the west uh, right into the city away. Yeah. They, they uh, the reason we were there well uh, was to protect the rock crusher so they could build more roads but uh, in the morning echo company our platoon which was at the rock crusher pulled out and was going up the ro- road towards way and i was still on the mountaintop <laughs> with my squad Opposite direction, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so finally, finally, I got through to the, the company commander, and he said, "Yeah, I'm a and Get down here." <laughs> so we went down. I love like it's your fault. Yeah, yeah come on, yeah. dumb shit, yeah, I'm get on. down here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I go down, and obviously to the CV compound there, and and uh, it's right on the highway, and uh, I s- said, I. Got to have a way to get up to catch my company, and they were scared as hell because they'd have to do their own security. Yeah. They didn't want to give me a truck, so I commandeered a truck uh, <laughs> and a driver. And they had a, a, a Euclid ore truck. You know, they're the heavy, what yeah. they hauled rock. And so I loaded my my platoon. Or my squad, we all hopped in the back of that big truck and started up highway one to try and find uh, the rest of the uh, company and we're going along as fast as the truck will go it's probably forty miles an hour, and they're pinging off the sides of the mm-hmm. off the truck all the way up there, and we finally get up there and caught up with the with the uh company again so Once we uh, got together again, then we had to work our way up the highway on foot to Troy Bridge, T-O-U-R-I, I I believe it is, which was one of the main bridges on the highway between Da Nang and and Wei. So we regrouped, got everybody together, and spent the afternoon there outside of uh, the the village where the bridge was and then we moved into it at night and uh the echo company the other squads that were on the bridge had moved north up towards the way and we had to get in there and relieve them i know i think it was uh i think it was fox company had moved up so we had to get in there and relieve them under the bridge security and so We force marched at night through the enemy territory, uh, in through the villages with all the flaps down and everything, and trying to be quiet, which is impossible. Mm You know, being beating gear and everything. All the gear, and uh, uh, never forget, uh, it was so damn dark. Every once in a while, a 105 round would go off near us. and you'd get a little flash of light.
4: Yeah.
2: But uh, you could look into the hooches and see the Vietnamese snuggled in there. Every once in a while, you'd see a, a guy with a rifle in there, too, mm-hmm. in there with the families. And and so it was so dark uh, that our company, our platoon, got separated. You know, the man behind you yeah. You know, almost one of these, put your arm on the guy ahead of you. So I had to go back and find them. And, oh. <laughs> and uh, I'm stumbling back in the trail trying to make my way without being able to see. and Trying to be it's, quiet. Yeah. It's trying to be quiet. You know, I could see MIA and flashing <laughs> in the back of my mind. Right. Yeah. But I finally found them. And uh, brought them back up, and we. I like can imagine a, that get,
3: conversation.
2: Yeah. Was <laughs> there, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It> was just <laughs> grab them. Yeah. Just grab them, and uh, so we made it up and caught up with the rest of the platoon, and we got into the into the area of the bridge, which was the compound, and the rest of uh, what what Fox Company, I think it was, just was leaving to go up up. The way, and so then we set up their old French bunkers on either side, pillboxes actually, mm. either side of the bridge and it was a steel girder like railroad bridge with a highway deck on it. And so the whole idea was the next day that we would take our platoon and we would sweep through the village on the south end and try and drive anybody out that was in there. Sure. So Rick's platoon was gonna go along the river. Uh, our Rick's squad was gonna go along the river. My second squad was going back down the highway and we were gonna cut in on the south side of the village. And then third platoon was going to sweep our company, our squad was going to sweep through the village, i.e. drive the NVA out of the village. Well, Rick's squad made it about halfway down along the river before uh, the other squad got set up to sweep, and I was only halfway down the southern trail, and that's when he got ambushed. And so I had no idea uh, where the squad was that was supposed to leave the road and go through the village. Mm -hmm. And I had lost a radio the day before and all that commotion. It uh, got broken. It wasn't working. So I had a corpsman and I had a machine gun team with me, so they sent me out the farthest, Mm -hmm. uh, the south end of the village and. So the story that Mike read in the beginning starts from there where I was trying to get a fix on Rick where where he was getting ambushed. And you know what, to this day I still don't know if uh, the other squad, third squad left the road and went into the village or not. I think they held up when they heard the shooting.
0: I'm probably uh, concerned about deconflicting fires too with the yeah, lack of communication. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, that's Especially during uh, that time period, you know, that was a real big threat, not just getting shot. Oh, by it was all enemy, around but you. But by
3: your, by your own yeah. guys, too. Yeah, it
2: was all around you, too. And especially without a radio on
3: my part. Uh, I'm guessing you didn't have a GPS with you, either. <laughs> yeah, a
0: satellite. Uh, yeah. Greg, Pete, and Steve.
3: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah it's <close> going <laughs> like to GPS Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a luxury we had is you know we had all yeah, iComs, uh, well, yeah, not blue Falcon, but blue know, force, force tracker. tracker but yeah. when you were on squad patrol, you know, on the infantry side, you would have your radio for comms higher, and then to maybe other elements. But then internally, you had your you know headset and your iComs yeah. to talk to each other at least. Mm-hmm. So if your teams were fire teams were separated, your firefight, you weren't really being able to hear in your headset anyways. You could if you had time to do a tactical pause, but it
3: wasn't know, too often we ever felt like we we didn't have good communication you know yeah. it was always pretty oh, luxury
0: you guys didn't have right. no so but, oh go ahead we uh, we didn't have
2: anybody to call <laughs> yeah I I suppose. Mean, right. well, everybody from where we were all the way north away was fighting
3: yeah who are you gonna call yeah. yeah there's no QRF there's no plane yeah, there's, there no there there's no helicopters 50
2: miles of fighting yeah on all over uh, so you couldn't call uh, this is Cassandra sent you <laughs> Reaction yeah. the platoon, there was none. Yeah. How far do you think you were from Wei? Uh, where you went? Uh, well, Way and Fubai's right on the south edge of it. And we were, oh, uh, probably a click or two from Oh, Fubai. you're close
3: on, yeah. So
0: this is so, kind of the start of that big crescendo. Of so
2: all building. of our battalion went into Way, except Echo Company, excuse me, had the... Uh, Responsibility to keep the highway open, sure. And part of our, I think they took one company. One company went into way with hotel, and the other two we we pulled security on, on the bridge and security meaning, uh, keeping them off the roads, keeping right. them off the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, our security was out in.
3: The so you move supplies
0: and everything, keep everything. away, yeah. You know? So. So this this fight breaks out. Uh, no comms. I mean, you got a, a machine gun team out there, which uh, for people who don't know is a pretty big asset yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to the the three squads in general, having that it's, that firepower. Yeah, is, Sixty. Is, is M60. Huge. and having it out of the fight, but not knowing where to direct it, then two to help your guys uh, is a big challenge to overcome. So at that point, no comms. You know, you're kind of left with you know two options: sit put and let your guys you know mm-hmm. get torn up, or go and try and Trying, Find
2: out where yeah. things are at. So, and you may be curious why I went. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the the situation that we just talked about, not having a radio and everything. I was senior, uh, by quite a bit in my platoon, and I kind of knew the way things were. And you know, I should have probably sent my first fire team leader. <laughs> To do that, and you know, I think I I probably could have been uh, got my ass chewed out pretty bad for for me doing it myself. But number one, uh, my first fire team leader was really good. Uh, I trusted him with the asset, the machine mm-hmm. gun, and the corpsman and everything that he'd do the right thing. The second guy I took with me that was on the curve was a real shit bird. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want him screwing anything up. So I took him with me uh, to get a fix. And the third guy I was gonna send back to get, get the rest of my squad once we found Rick and, and break things off. So, uh, you know, uh, that's not the way you normally do it. Right. But to this day, I think I still was the right guy to do it.
0: Well, and that's a, a small unit leadership thing, too, as well, that judgment call of, you know, you send yourself, you know, you have to show your men that you're willing to do what you're going to ask mm-hmm. them to do at some point, too, and that's that's a, always a constant uh, thing in the military. It's not a, well, I did this six months ago. It's like, well, yeah, right. you still have to show your are mm-hmm. in the day, and maybe that was, you know, part of that that learned behavior at that time, too.
2: Yeah, and and part of the behavior was that it was Rick too, a guy that that I I really care about,
0: mm-hmm. uh, respected, and yeah, a few, uh,
3: personal uh, connection to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah so, but uh, So on that road uh, going to try and uh, just get a, a sound recognition to see where things are going. That you know, because you can obviously for those that don't know tell a difference between our our weapon systems and theirs when they're they're rolling, uh, even the Foley autos too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the intent, is to just get some ears and potentially eyes, if possible, uh, on on the situation.
2: Well, if you're asking, uh, you know, could I have done something different as far as when I engaged them, I, I don't think there was, because right. uh, I had 17 rounds or 18 rounds and they all had thirty-round, brand new AKs. So,
0: no, I, I, I don't. I don't mean doing something different. I mean just the intent to go right. out there was to. You have to get physical eyes on or ears on to see it, and then yeah, that's the, why you were headed there. The, oh yeah. yeah, the situation that came is what presented it itself, and it was yeah. reactionary at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I had the best chance to find him,
4: mm-hmm.
0: but then
2: again, when uh, I opened up on him, uh, I knew that was it. I I knew that. I wasn't going to get them all, mm-hmm. right? And to this day, I don't know, they, they dropped. Of course they dropped. right? Uh, but I don't know how many I hit.
3: Um, and, the, and they returned fire
2: at you then immediately? And as I'm trying to eject that magazine, Reload. after I shot my rounds, uh, that's when they hit me. They opened up on you. They hit me first in the shoulder, and that spun me around, and uh, then they must have hit my hit my knee next. A mm-hmm. uh, couple rounds through that, and then my as I was hitting the ground, when my
0: arm went up, they hit me through the elbow. <laughs>
3: Might so, as well one more, huh?
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. You, <laughs> yeah. You, so, you mind if I, I pull an excerpt? Yeah. No, go one? ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so. And we're we're at the the point where the return fire from the NBA hit. Uh, And so picking back up to some of uh, Dad, uh, Tom's notes here. um, It says, uh, now by myself, I began to feel a dull but growing pain in my left leg. I went to raise myself up on my elbows, but I couldn't. I could feel my arms. As I looked at my left arm, I saw a hole inside of my elbow the size of a cue ball. My right shoulder had a hole the size of a walnut. I looked down at my left leg and saw blood oozing out from the area where my kneecap used to be. My foot was lying on its side, even though my leg was straight. Not being able to get up and move, I knew I was. Mo- it was most likely the sound of our shooting that had broken off the sound of the ambush, and maybe I had been able to help Rick's squad after all. But now would the MVA be working their way over from Rick and coming my way? Thinking they would, I decided that only My only hope was to look dead and somehow slow the flow of blood from my leg wound. I pushed with my right leg and was able to roll over onto my face into a pool of my own blood oozing from the leg wound. By working my right leg, I was able to circle around, covering my face and chest and body with my own warm blood. The pain was almost unbearable. God help me, was my thought. With one last push from my right leg, I was over on my back again. The hole in my left knee was pumping out a stream of blood with every heartbeat. I had to slow it down, somehow, or I was going to be a dead man. Pushing my knee up against the tree with my right leg seemed to do the job, but the pain almost made me yell out. It would all be over for me if I did. Now what? What could I do, were my thoughts. When a figure came into my line of sight, he came very slowly. My chest tightened as I forced myself not to breathe. With my eyes open, I fixed into a dead stare, looking into the looking into the sky. I saw him stop. It was one of them, an MVA soldier with his AK-47 pointed at my nose. He just looked me over for what seemed like hours and I tried not to breathe or blink. Then he gave me a short kick to be sure I was dead. He picked up my M16 and ran down the trail. This happened two more times. Each time the fear of being shot in the head or dragged off gave me the ability to endure pain and play a very convincing dead man.
3: Uh, wow! Uh, yeah, wow! So you're out there alone mm-hmm. with your injury. Self-aid, right? Who else is going to help you at this point? Mm-hmm. You're by yourself. Uh, did, do you guys carry tourniquets regularly then, or, or did you have to just usually typically make your own? That what? Tourniquets? Did you guys? Did no, you had, no I, I couldn't move. Oh, right. Was, yeah, your arms are shot. I was just starting. I mean, you had a lot of um, similar things. Ago. Yeah, I was just starting. <laughs>
0: Sounds like you so, at least recognized if you use that. Well, Right leg to pin the left leg. That's kind of what push. I did,
2: and, and I got kicked in the, the right leg, too.
0: That's where the, they kicked, huh?
2: And uh, one thing I don't know if I mentioned in there, that uh, it, the third guy was carrying a, a, one of his comrades over his shoulder. Oh,
4: yeah.
2: So uh, I, I definitely did break off the ambush. Sure, sure. Right. Uh, so, but... It, the idea that when they came up to me, uh, and especially when they they picked up my rifle, I I just to this day I have no idea how I didn't flinch, right? Because uh, the marine and his rifle mm-hmm. you know, never separated. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of thought that it, I bought it that that this was the end, you know, and uh, you know I I started. Uh, thinking about the boys back on the block, you know, on a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. or Saturday morning. I think it was about nine o'clock, and what they were doing, and and uh, this was it for me. Uh, but I still knew that even if it wasn't going to work out, and I, I I was going to I was going to die, that I could give it a little effort to try. And do what I could, and the only thing I could do was push in the side of my face and in my leg. And uh, thank God that the tree was there and the rock, so I could push my knee against it when I when I got close enough to it. And because if they would have come through and seen the, the femoral artery pumping,
3: right, I mean, they would
2: away. they would have they would have done me in for sure. So,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, but I did crawl probably across this room is probably as far as sure. I
0: did. Was it after the third uh, NVA came through that you started yeah, it, to crawl? Yeah, it,
2: it, it stayed quiet and you know, I knew the fight was over on the other, other direction and I thought after the third one came through carrying, carrying a, one of his comrades on his shoulder that it must be over. So I had fifty-fifty chance if I moved and they saw me, you know that'd be it. But you kind of thought it was over already, anyways. Yeah, you stayed. Yeah, right right I, right had, I had nothing to lose. Right. Yeah, I had nothing to lose. So,
0: so you started trying to more or less shimmy along with the one good leg and yep. kind of your head pulling yep. too.
3: Yep. And and uh, did you notice you were losing more blood though as you tried to move? I mean, just getting your heart rate up and stuff.
2: Uh, it was it was pumping out. But when I was dragging it, it turned, and the artery must have been dragging on the ground,
3: Sure.
2: or in you know the wound, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's how I got so infected. Right, uh, because just it, packing that stuff, it, in it there, was, yeah. it was just a mess yep. for for a month. It was
3: just. Who was the first person that found you? So how were you found? Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
2: yeah. So I had. I had crawled a little bit, and you know, giving it my last shot. You know, this is it. What's going to happen yeah, I
3: here? We lay here, we die. Let's get it. Let's do something.
2: If they come, they come. If they don't, and uh, I heard some noise again. And I think it says in there. Uh, I heard some noise again, uh, like equipment mm-hmm. on a belt. You know, on a, on a, on a So I, I rolled back over. And I wouldn't have been able to play dead that time, but I don't know who I was fooling but myself. <laughs> and it was my first fire team leader.
3: Yeah.
2: And his eyes fell, fell out of his socket. Uh, and so he sent back, and they went back and brought up the rest of the squad and formed a perimeter around me and brought up uh, pieces of bamboo and hung a couple ponchos between it and loaded me on it and hauled me back down the trail just about through the village, the edge of the village there. And and I'll never forget the villagers, some of them were laughing, hmm. smiling and stuff as they took me by. And that kind of, you know. Rubbed you the wrong way. Yeah, but. You know, there was nothing I could do. Right. Then I was
3: starting to go into shock. Then, but how long do you think it had been at that point? I, how long I've been since you've been shot to this oh, point? Oh man, you know. I mean, a day. I mean, no, six
2: hours. No, 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 no. It, the whole thing probably was over in thirty minutes. Okay, maybe
0: I wouldn't have lasted much mm-hmm. longer. Sure, right. When when uh, your your first team leader uh, met you out there and they did the field expedient. Uh, uh, litter to get you out there yeah. was the Corman still with your squad then at that time? yeah
2: thing? it was it was it was a new corpsman that oh, <laughs> was his you. first
0: casualty yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> shaky hands huh yeah, yeah. He, his hands were just shaking. you know yeah. what and i i I never met him i still don't know his name huh. and i've i've asked the guys at reunions and nobody remembers him because they said he wasn't there long
0: Oh, <laughs> huh. well, you broke the new guy Unreal. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, but, but, but that was another probably stroke of luck because not every squad had a corman in it, correct? Uh, right. Rick did. Each platoon. Rick yeah. did, and you did. But the, yeah. so, so there could have been a yeah. possibility where you didn't have a corman with you, too. But his corpsman got shot in the head. So there was one corpsman left in the entire platoon, and he was a boot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is right. great. That's right. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> Talk about lucky rather than good, I guess. But yeah. okay. so we got
2: back. They got me back in the area of the bridge, and... And uh, laid me down, and they started working on me again. He settled down a bit, and they brought out the bodies of 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 the Marines from Rick's squad. Yeah. And Rick, and la- Rick lost them. four and a corpsman, or three. And yeah, a, so. and uh, they laid them next to me, and uh, you know I didn't know they were dead at first, right. and then. Uh, Somehow they got a CH-46 in there, hmm. which is like a Marine version of a Chinook.
3: Yep. In the middle of a war, I don't know how that thing made it in. Yeah, for those guys at home that or whoever's listening, it's a double double-bladed helicopter. It's got two yeah. rotors on top. With a yeah.
0: big drop-down ramp
1: yeah. on the
3: back. Yep, okay. they're real made for
0: lifting.
1: Is, is that the ones they call the Jolly Green Giants?
0: Is that uh, those or no, is that different? Thirty fours, no. right? No, okay. No, 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 it's
2: uh, uh surprising as hell that I must have been the only asset they had because you know I I didn't think Huey could get in there let alone but he did you know that pilot put it between the only little spot of daylight and he put it in there getting shot at too Mm -hmm. and uh, they threw me on it and uh, uh, they left the other guys lay there later on they, they took them out by truck Sure. It kind of bothered me yep. and a little bit that you know I had more respect for them than right.
0: so oh, I'm sure it was just a, a you know you're you're still fighting and they're still trying to get you back and right. their fight is done at that point um, I, um, but still they're when they're your men and they're your people it's not mm-hmm. an easy pill to swallow I know them all yeah
2: yeah I know them all
0: so they they uh, Flew you out on a forty-six uh, out of that tight little area. When when you got back to uh, there and they started working on you, was there another? Fubai. S- Fubai. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. And like I said, there was fifty miles of war, and we were coming up from the south, and and uh, they were coming down from way. And uh, I I hate I hate the mass reference, but it's the only thing that people understand mm-hmm. is. Uh, you know, they wheel you out of the helicopter on a gurney, and they open these double doors, and you go in, and there's all these plywood tables yeah. over there. And they're picking a guy up off of it, and they throw a five-gallon pail of water. Wash it off. Wash the blood off, and they slap you down there just like they're cleaning fish. Yeah. Mm. And the whole room was that way.
3: Mm. And uh, and you think crawling in the mud's how you got your infection? I absolutely <laughs> <can>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's where I got the, yeah. a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah. But uh, so after I got thrown on a table and they were cutting the rest of my clothes off, I didn't have any underwear on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never do in the field. Anyway,
0: so <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, uh, Are you still coherent at this point, or kind of in and out? Uh, of it? No, I was I was going into
2: shock then, yeah. and, and I, I was. Loaded up pretty good. On. And that was the end of the day, then, pretty much, yeah. for you there? Yeah. So, next thing I woke up, I uh, was in a Quonset type yeah. uh, hospital, field ward, and uh, it's fluorescent it lights like this lit all yeah. over us, it, and it's really bright. And I wake up, and my head clears, and I look around, and there's probably 10 beds on each side of the Quonset and there's no other patients in it. I'm the only one, and I'm just laying there with a sheet over me, and then I hear this dull sound, and finally a corpsman comes around in a helmet and a flak jacket, and I, I, I say, where am I, where is everybody? And he points down the floor, and I look, and all the patients are under the bed. Oh gosh, you show shelled! And they were rocketing the, the hospital area. Yeah, and I had trying to save me. They put me in a body cast, and it wasn't completely set yet, so <laughs> they weren't going to lift me. It's so right right I'm laying the storm. There with a sheet over me, and everybody else.
1: The sheet will help. The sheet will <laughs> help a lot. Yeah.
2: Everybody else is under the under the beds. Wow! And uh, then I went back to sleep. Yeah. In the morning, they threw me on a C-130 and took me down to the U-Back hospital. And uh, as the first place I saw a female nurse, and I don't know how many months.
1: And uh, you were like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, just,
0: well, just even the, the slight drinks, yeah, the, 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 the smell even of a, yeah, you know. Uh, rear it's been a while, Yeah, 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 and uh,
2: say I, in a, I wrote in there that uh, I, you know, asked her where I was and everything, or how I was doing, and she said that you're, you're really very sick, but you're, you'll be all right. And she took her keys off her belt and took the medicine cabinet and gave me a shot, and next thing I knew, I was on the way to the Philippines. Clark Air Force Base and uh, came to there and the uh, doctors all came in. I was actually Air Force, of course, I was in a room. Mm. (laughs) And they came in and I still had the body cast on and everything and he says, well, we're gonna take you in now and take that off and see if we can do anything about that leg and it gave me the old, uh, like in the movies, the pin test. They stick the pins in your feet, mm-hmm. and I couldn't feel anything. And uh, so I just said, do the best you can. <laughs> so when I woke up without it, without my leg, hell, uh, you know, hey.
0: That
2: you know, was the best he could do. Right. The best uh, he, could do.
3: Yeah. he could do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: You know, that's yeah why, that's why they call it practice yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so the yeah like they actually took your leg in the Philippines
2: yeah 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 and then the next day the Red Cross came in and I got to call my parents held the phone up because my arms were yeah. still all screwed up My shoulder and your arm yeah yeah and uh, so they called and I talked to my mother and father and
0: who you told, talk to first? Was it did mom pick up the phone, or did uh, you You know, it might
2: have been her, because I said, you know, mom, I'm out of there. So you don't have to worry anymore. And so then, you know, she probably cried a little bit and stuff, but then my time was up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with the Red Cross call. And so the next day, the Marines came to the front door. Mm.
3: <laughs> and she answered the door and said, uh, "I already know." Yeah. Yeah. So, was there ever a point in time after you woke up in the hospital you didn't know if you were going to make it or not? Uh about every time they took me in to
2: change that sucker. Yeah. You know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, Your wound they, they couldn't fly me back because it was so infected, right. and they had a hard, hard bandage on it oh, it was, the thing was so tender and so they had to cut it off each time the bandage yeah, yeah. they had it, saw it off like mm-hmm. it yeah the cast. cast yeah and uh, so they had to take me to surgery every time they changed it so they did it there and then they took me to japan where i had to stay again while they changed it
0: What's
3: the point of changing the bandage all the time? I it's wet. Yeah, it just wound. Yes, because they're still letting you. Bleed you're still Yeah, you're still. Yeah. Yeah. Even your stitches and everything, I'm sure you're still losing some. But you know, it was open. Just, right. Yeah. It was stretched open. Yeah. Mm. So all the all all, stuff could get washed all out. All the crap could run out of it. So you got to do wound cleaning then. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, basically from Bogram to launch to all the yeah. way all the way back, I was getting washed out the whole way. As they, said. they put you out. I, yeah, I was in an induced coma for yeah. six
2: days. Yeah, yeah. They they didn't do that. They just put me out. So well, you know, through
3: the procedure, getting wounded. Everybody's experience yeah. may vary. Maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so,
0: about a, it's probably almost fifty year gap between. Yeah. The two, a little, again, little technology yeah.
3: in between. Yeah.
0: Well, and with that too, when you say cleaning and flushing out, uh, are they you know literally flushing yeah. it out, or yeah. are, they, are they cutting you know infection out for me. too? Yeah. Yeah. For they me, were cutting yeah. more out. Cutting, more, cutting out. more out the whole time, yeah, and kind of just watching the healing to see where you know if they yep. needed to take more or not. Yeah,
2: once they got me to a permanent hospital, which was two hospitals later,
0: was that Japan or
2: no? That was after I left Japan. Uh, it was in Scott Air Force Base Hospital, sure. and then uh,
0: I really got to like Air Force Hospital. <laughs> yeah, it, didn't, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I was actually medevac too. Too was uh, yeah. a lot Air Force. Yeah, base, uh, yeah. 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 So
2: was I ended up in Memphis, Tennessee at the Naval Air Station Hospital because the Great Lakes Naval Hospital where the Marines went from Chicago, right? Yeah. was full oh, okay. because of Tet. And so the only place they had me in a navy facility was uh uh Millington, Tennessee. It's by Memphis, so uh and that was full of Marines too. And then uh, they finally got uh, hard cast off and they put me in skin traction for a month while they were cleaning it out. And that's basically they take your residual limb and they put uh, rubber cement all over it and wrap it with with cloth and then they run it off the end of the bed with a weight on it so it pulls your skin. Oh, they cut sure. so much off that they had to stretch the skin back, and that weight, every, the the weight uh, the the weight itself would draw that rope tight, and it would pull your skin and stretch it. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: and then every couple the hours, could do. every couple hours, they'd have to come and pull me back up to the head of the
3: bed. Sure, it would pull you all the way down, yeah. Yeah,
2: it did. Mm-hmm. It did. And, you know, it was only like probably a 10-pound weight or
0: something, but. It well, no. I, I imagine you were atrophied in general, your whole body. You must oh, yeah. have been down to, you know, especially coming out of the field as an infantryman. Oh, right, yeah. You yeah. probably yeah. were only about 135, 140 pounds, Maybe. probably. I only weighed, yeah, I weighed with that. all your limbs and Yeah, healthy. yeah. That, so that was you're that, probably so. pushing close to 100 at this point <laughs> right. or less. Yeah, yeah. so. And, and so with, with I Tennessee, said, was that your last stop then? No, nope, nope,
2: nope. Then, uh, uh, we're also an army hospital at Fort Dix, and then to Philadelphia, where it's they
0: Fort find, Virginia, New, uh,
3: New Jersey, New Jersey, yeah.
0: uh, Philadelphia's uh, naval hospital, naval hospital. Yeah. But Fort Dix is in New Jersey. Fort is Dix is New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So they uh, they finally closed me in uh, Philadelphia. Okay. So that was about two
3: months, I think. Tommy, I was out of the hospital in two months. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, just I'm just I'm not you yeah. know I'm just saying like and in, in just oh, yeah. like looking at the whole scope of things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, blowing up medevac back to the yep. states took me uh, a little over a week to get back to mm-hmm. Texas. Um, I spent two weeks in the ICU, basically going through surgery every day, mm-hmm. and then uh, the next six weeks I was going through surgery still basically every day, but mm-hmm. um, a lot lighter, not as intense. You know, it's more like trying to get stuff right you know instead of mm-hmm. just stopped bleeding you know but within two months i was i was you know living out of the hospital and and to hear this story and to think about uh, uh how i felt like my experience was challenging to overcome the things that i came you know and overwent and um it's the humbling to hear your you know uh your story up to this point and uh uh myself just trying to imagine myself in your situation and um uh, the unknowns you know and, and for me one of the hardest things after being wounded was uh, knowing my guys were still out out there fighting you know and, and absolutely and, uh, it drove me mentally uh, crazy because um, you know they call whenever they could they'd say hey you know everything's going good here everything's fine but you know we remember making those phone calls home, oh, everything's good here everything's fine nothing's happening you know you knew exactly what they were mm-hmm. doing every single day and and uh, the scariest thing was every day is you hear new guys would be coming to the hospital and you're just like, please don't be one of my guys, you mm-hmm.
2: know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and with snail mail, uh, once it finally did catch up to me, yeah, it was old news. you know, I would find out things like uh, who else had died right, right. after, yeah. after mm-hmm. I left. And uh, one of the things that struck me was that uh, they killed one of the NBA's Week or two later, and he had my cover. Mm-hmm. So I had Mac written in my.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's and what I ended up naming back. you. And they got my rifle back. I got your back. rifle and
2: your hat back. Huh? And they got my rifle back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that had to feel a little Which would have haunted thing. me the rest yeah, of my right, life. No, yeah. 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 Like the Yeah, right now, yeah. I has got like the the cool chills so, down my back from that one. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah.
2: yeah. We'll get that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, you know, it, your experience now is. is you know, really something to behold uh, the how far we've come. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the numbers of casualties we had and some of it was almost civil war medicine. Yeah. I think we learned and it just took so much longer for everything that e- even the, the, uh, 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 drugs they have now to fight these infections. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. me. Yeah. And, uh, it's just so much different, and you know, that's I'm really grateful for that.
0: Well, a lot of that research and development yeah. is because of Vietnam. Right. Came yeah, that's,
3: was, that's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Like prosthetics and yeah. everything, and, you know, what I mean, into
0: the into the VA world. Then after Vietnam, because you know they were treating your injuries and, and yeah. helping with uh, prostheses and rehab that kind of developed during that peace time. I don't think people yeah.
3: realize how much sacrificing and suffering has to happen to have the progress we have, we we have, you know. And and mm-hmm. that was the one thing that I learned after being wounded was. Um, like I said, with limbs and things like that, mm. but especially like skin grafting, you know, with like uh, us guys that got all of our skin blowing off and stuff from the mm-hmm. IEDs and whatnot, is uh, you know uh, how much war drives um, the ability to of medicine, you know, to really? learn, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the skill to do those things, you know. They say necessity
1: is the mother of invention. Yeah. So, right, so. Yeah. I mean may, you can really see it firsthand. Uh, you know. yeah. Yeah. yeah, they've come
3: such a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, even in, you know my they, didn't put any, they didn't put any Elmer's glue on me. No? No, that's right. Yeah, no. yeah you probably got a gorilla. rubber There we go. Yeah.
4: I'll spoil yeah. it.
3: Duct tape gr- for Jack, yeah. that's We got yeah. duct tape <laughs> yeah. over here. So
0: <laughs> e- epoxy. Yeah, good
3: yeah. So
0: epoxy. You, so you're in, in Philadelphia, uh, and then what was that transition like that? because that your final station before getting sent back home then?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, that's where I was discharged from. I I was totally eight months in the hospital hospital from wounded to yeah, discharge yeah, yep and uh, you know and, and part of that again was the sheer numbers Philadelphia was one of the major mm-hmm. naval medical centers and that's uh they had uh I, outside of the main hospital there were, there were four wards that just amputees
3: i mean yeah so when when you came home then uh once you were able to leave the hospital uh well, uh, you know, I have no idea what it was like. I mean, we're, how, how do people treat you being a wounded veteran? Did you and, t-
0: did you take a bus home?
3: Yeah. Did family come get you? Did they fly you home? How'd you get from Philadelphia yeah. back to
0: Mankato?
2: Well, when I finally did get discharged, I had the privilege of going downstairs in the hospital to the laundry room and <laughs> and pick out pieces of uniforms that, Other guys didn't need (laughs) them. Wore in, and you know they had hampers of them, and I found one with corporal stripes and everything. And I went to the little PX.
3: (laughs) You mean you didn't promote
2: yourself? (laughs) 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 Major time. (laughs) And and, uh, I got my standby ticket at uh, Philadelphia Airport.
3: Sure. Had a transfer in Chicago you know, one of the largest airports. Yeah, and I'm sure, I mean, getting around was brand new for you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, two broken shoulders. Oh, well, they didn't shot. do physical therapy or OT. That's like, what I know. mean. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you're by yourself pretty much? Absolutely. Trying to figure out how to use the bathroom in the airport.
2: A- absolutely. Yeah. And uh, walking through the corridor in, a, a in Chicago and seeing the Navy uh,
0: cadets, they have your you had your prosthetic on at this point? Or, yeah.
2: Okay. Oh, you did have one. Well, this is when I was discharged. Yep. I came okay. home uh, on an emergency leave because my father had a seizure, and uh, I, I was able to come home for I think I had like a ten day leave, and uh, while well, working things out with him, and during that time when I got home, one of my best friends was killed uh, from Mankato, Mm. David Hafner, and uh, we ran around together uh, quite a bit. Wally's boy, Wally Hafner from The Wagon Wheel? Yeah, Wally from The Wagon Wheel. a lot of people don't know that. Mm. So uh, I'm counting the days, because I want to stay for his funeral. Right. And it's got to be day nine and still no David. Mm. And uh, So I called the Red Cross and They got me an extension. Oh, really? That was nice. So I was able to
3: stay for his funeral. Wow.
2: Yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, it really meant a lot to me.
3: Right. Uh, It's a little things at that point, yeah.
2: uh, When I was home on leave, I was over to where him and his girlfriend lived, and he was gone for boot camp. A bunch of us got together when I came home. And I never saw them
3: again. Were people were being wounded and everything, and come back to Mankato? Were you catching flack for being in the war and stuff like well, that? Well, not really.
2: You know, one time on that leave, I was downtown in the bar district on crutches without, yeah, without a leg, and and there were some guys that kind of gave me a little shit. But uh, my friends, uh, most of my friends were still around that I immediately hung around with. They hadn't left yet, or or they were going to
3: school, and and they kind of took care of that for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> once you uh, once you got in the military, then uh, what were your thoughts? Like, what did you think the rest of your life was going to look like? Like, you did you knew you knew you're going to go get a job? Like, you didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, was the VA disability a thing then? Was it, was it, I mean, what did the future think, look like for you?
2: Well, I was. Uh, uh, Temporary hundred percent when I came home, so you know money wasn't a problem. Yeah. Three hundred dollars or whatever it was, then
0: you could yeah. live pretty happy, live pretty well, and, and, and you, drink and yeah. do all those things. And, and so, were you you were medically retired out of the Marine Corps yes, due to your injuries. Yes, I'm, I'm retired. Yeah. Okay. yeah. A, a little fun fact on that too. I've seen his original discharge. So you talk about the difference in transition between then and now. His military discharge that they gave him didn't even show service in Vietnam or Purple Heart yeah, or combat action ribbon. <laughs> like didn't D. show his rank. Yeah, so he had to. <laughs> yeah, had to do a request for amendment like a year after a discharge yeah. to get all oh, that. And and out of there. That's how good the admin trail was. Now yeah. you know. No, I mean I'm not. I'm not saying uh, that that's not the way it shouldn't. But we were talking earlier in our first episode about the first time I met you and Dad was there too. Yeah, where we all. Went out to the airport with American flags, and you were on a mm. private jet. That's kind of what I was getting <laughs> at. That's what I was getting at. Was I like, gave you what a was
2: coin your coin out there? Yeah. You probably don't remember. A uh, uh, Brass type looking
0: coin. The
3: yeah. welcome home one. Welcome yeah. home. Yeah, home yeah. yeah I still got it. On my, I got it on my board at home. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: just, just the difference, and you know. You
3: don't remember who gave it to you, though. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I couldn't lie to you, Tom. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a few not
3: people I want to try to slide that fast, but there's just a the few people I are I'm can't hurt, lie I'm to hurt, you. Hurt,
0: I'm hurt, Well, you know, and when we look at, you know, kind of the, you know, strength from service, and kind of the, the point of it is that, you know, things are a lot better than we, now than we give ourselves yeah, credit absolutely, yeah. we have to look through a lot of the negative, and so even just mm-hmm. the, the treatment, that you had and our other soldiers had the positive that's happening today compared to, you know, what was the standard and expected. You left Philadelphia. Indifference. Indifference.
3: Indifference at best. Yep. I remember when I first came home and we were all hanging out and stuff, and I think it was Luke, uh, I I was like, who is that dude missing the leg, you know? He's like, oh, that's uh, Mike's dad, you know? And I'm like, oh, how did he lose his leg? He's like, Vietnam. I was like oh wow you know and he's like yeah he's been through some stuff man and he's like he looks like he's kind of like the dad of the group you know like yeah. you know he just he's like he'll, he'll keep an eye out for you yeah. you know so yeah. you're back home you're
0: you're kind of just you know hanging out having beers hanging out with your buddies that's uh, right town. Uh, any desire for college or are you living with mom and dad or apartment or I went through it with the VA uh, you know I
2: went up for for school and everything, and you know, being rehabilitated, they run you through all the tests and everything. And my aptitudes were, you know, course, mechanical drafting and all that right. stuff. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go to college like my friends and raise hell and do all the things they were doing. And and uh, this you doctor, weren't, you weren't married yet? No, no. The, 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 this guy with his doctor up there sat across the table with me and he, he says, well, this is this is what we're offering you. I said, well, I'd just soon go try school and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, no, this is what we're offering. And I, and he said a third time and I
0: said, hell with you. You can keep it. And I walked out of there. Another... Huge differences back yeah. then. To use the educational benefit, they would do the aptitude testing. It wasn't like now, where are told we're the, doing, right? the education benefits yeah. yours, and you can choose what pathway you want. What back college, yeah. Yeah. what
3: major, yeah. what everything, or certificate program, or yeah, anything. Yeah. 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 If you
0: want to go be an interpretive dance major? You can do that now, <laughs> but back then, and that's that wasn't what an I option. wanted. Yeah, well, yeah. well, he, he, he
3: was he was probably a good <laughs> half an dance. Now, now, we're half an so, so dance. So now
0: way. I side with the guy that was you know telling you this is what we're offering because with only one leg, what the hell are you going to? (laughs) dance on, you know, so, 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 so college wasn't, you know, obviously in the cards with the way the system was set back then. And so came back down to Mankato and
2: odd odd jobs. I could have gone ahead, you know, if I wanted to on my own, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I would have gotten any help. You
3: weren't really interested in that either. No,
2: no. And, you know, honestly, uh, like I said, I had money, right?
3: That was an yeah.
2: issue. Yeah, my parents were kind enough to let me live at home while I was still recuperating, and uh, so I did what I did before I went in. You know, I went out and partied. And, right, <laughs> yeah, I know, but, uh, it's and, my full-time thing. Yeah, I had the you know I had the perfect thing going. You know, I'd go in the bar and sit there. And, not crying in my beer, but people would buy me beers and sure. stuff thinking, oh, you know, the poor guy's trying to deal with this Vietnam stuff and you know, he's really, and I'm just eating it all up and, and knowing inside there's nothing wrong with me about right. Vietnam. Yeah. I'm a drunk, well, you know, I'm an alcoholic.
3: Yeah, you just had your reason. So it has
2: nothing to do with Vietnam. Right. I'm an alcoholic who happened to go to Vietnam and was sober for a year in Vietnam. Yeah. And I came back, and I started. Picked start, up where you start, left off. Started yeah. where I dropped off again, and I did that for ten years. And uh, I did go through one marriage yeah. at that time, and and uh, you know, very nice lady. We're friends now, uh, have been forever outside of that short period of time.
0: That's <laughs> well, actually I got my my middle name from uh, your ex father in law, right?
2: Well, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it was. (laughs) Well, I wanted to to name you Walt.
0: Oh, the first name? Yeah.
2: General Walt. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis, so I settled for Lewis. Sure, the middle name? Lewis Walt. Yeah. Marine Corps commanding general. Yep. Vietnam.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate Michael a little bit. But, yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> it works fine. Uh, yeah. Could, you know, yes, I'd,
0: Walter. I'd be a good Wally, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Uh, we're
3: well, well, We could roll with it. Yeah. Guess, guess what I just got just, myself a new guess nickname. Guess what you hey, just got. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. What's up, Wally Lou? Yeah. So. so, but when it was time, uh, I knew it. I knew it way before it was time. I finally uh, got in a mess for the last time. And I said, it's time. So I, I went to St. Cloud. VA for two months
0: inpatient treatment up there. Yep, okay.
2: yep, yep. And uh, to, to back then, forty-five years ago, it was uh, it was forty-five days.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. and forty-five is your favorite Harley too. So
2: yeah. there you go.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh,
2: uh, it's been going uphill uh, or going.
3: Yeah, uphill. going well. Yeah,
0: so going in that, well ever since that that ten-year period. Um, you know. Went through a marriage. You're battling uh, the addiction uh, part of it and coming to terms mm-hmm. uh, with that. Are you, uh, you know, connecting with any veterans in the community? Are you working any occupation? What are you What are you doing outside the, the booze inside of it? Uh, I, I I was
2: working working jobs on and off. You know, and uh, I what nothing really worked out for me either by my choice or by the employer's right. choice. I tried dispatching. I tried working in a lab. Uh, a number of things like that. I bartended, uh, I think, and then finally, uh, through a high school friend uh, whose father owned the company, he hired me to to be his salesman. <laughs> and uh, you know that worked out pretty good. I was there twenty five years.
0: Wow. All right. So that's sanitation, and, uh, and yeah. his high school friend was yeah. my uncle's. And he was he <laughs>
2: was kind enough. He was kind enough to. Uh, uh, about a little over the first year of employment, he allowed me to go to, go to treatment. Well, that was nice. And you know, being in sales, you call a lot of bars. Right. So, in the middle of the day, I could, I could do that. And nobody would ask any questions, so. But uh, it, it's been good. It's been good since uh, you know I got that behind me. Yeah. Every day I, every day I start over.
3: Yeah, and, uh, you know, don't have that lot of opportunities. I think I think a, I think a lot of us, us has change. learned a lot of things, a lot of things from you just uh, so things you've been through, and and uh, I know you've been in a uh, a huge part of getting the the vets court here in the fifth judicial district up off the ground and and helping guys find the courage to go get help themselves or mm-hmm. or you know help keep them on the right track and. And uh, help them remember where their values, you know, came from, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Marine Corps, or the Army, or mm-hmm. whatever branch. And, and uh, remind them at one point in time, you know, um, they were being the best they could be and how we're going to get back to doing that, you
0: mm-hmm.
4: know.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when you you came
0: out of St. Cloud uh, and you, you came back to the Mankato area uh, with some sobriety, and obviously it's a one-day-at-a-time um was outlook on community and the town and your friends and relationship kinda changed or how how did you kinda uh, do that second readjustment coming back from St. Cloud to Mankato?
2: Well, it, you know, a lot of people get in trouble when they, uh, they, they go through treatment and they, they clean their lives up and everything. They wanna do everything in the first year you know, I got i I'm here now. I'm back. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, I'm in charge now. Uh, it's one thing I learned was that uh, you got to get yourself and in, self in, uh, in order, and you don't make any major decisions the first year your sobriety. You you work on that, mm-hmm. and I did have a a good good uh, good sponsor. To work with me through that, and I didn't have any plans. I just thought, no. you know, I've got a chance here. I'm going to take each day as it comes, and we'll, we'll call the shots from there. And I've been doing that for 45 years, and it's it's worked out. I've gotten much much more in my life than I had uh, the previous years. You know, it's all gift. It's nothing that I did. It was something that's given to me and i appreciate it
3: as a veteran in like uh 1970 compared to a veteran now how much different does it feel i guess being a veteran you know do you feel, do you feel like you care the same sense of pride do you feel like it's been diminished some do you, do you mean you've seen a lot of stuff happen i mean you've you've seen a lot of wars happen since you've been out of the military you know how do you how do you feel about things now well uh
2: i go a lot of directions in that with that question uh you know, I, I look at I look at war in uh, a lot differently than I did. As I'm sure, you know, everybody here does. Right. Uh, I appreciate the the people who serve now. When I hear or read about uh, incidents where people are hurt, I feel for them. Right. Uh, you know, I wish there, wish there was something I could do for them. Yep. Uh, I pray for. Our troops every night. So, Still, uh, I wish we didn't have it. I wish we didn't have it. But the people that come back, we we need to show our appreciation for them. You know, yeah. so much more than the indifference that we faced. Right. And I, you know, I I think you guys would agree that uh, the Vietnam veterans did and do everything we could to have the current era of veterans come home.
3: That's one thing we never ever even thought about was
0: that, that we knew
3: that somebody would be standing behind him with a club ready to hit him if mm-hmm. they treated us wrong from yep. you guys, you know.
0: Well, that's, I, I came off my first deployment and, you know, my dad, dad says, I want you to meet me down at the VFW so I can buy you your first drink. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, while I was down there for a guy that doesn't drink, you know. Okay. So I go down to the old uh, 950 in Mankato that was next to Mettler's. Uh, yeah. yeah. Downtown and, you know, I, didn't buy a single drink in there, and it was all Vietnam. There was a, you know, one or two Gulf War, you know, guys in there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, Vietnam. And there was still a lot of World War II and a lot of Korea around. But everybody, uh, you, know, you know, wanted to talk to you wanted to you know, thank you for your service, and not not poke or prod, but just you know, show you that they were appreciated to. And
3: in no way, like glout or anything like that, by any means. But you guys are uh, by far the most proud. You know, you know, you guys are just so proud of of everything when and, and to me, it's mind blowing because of the way that you were treated and the way that you were, you know, you, you know, the stories that we were told, you know, of, of, you know, trying to like almost hide your service, you know, wanted to change the this, this first second you cut out of uniform and stuff. And it's amazing how far we've come now where, where we can actually acknowledge what you guys have done and, and appreciate your service and and um, that you guys can be proud of what you guys did, you know well the precedent you sent that never yeah. again after yeah. that
0: that part and I, obviously but anytime i get a chance to speak on it that's i bring that part up is that absolutely that's the foundation that the generations before you know not to point fingers but let let that worm turn the wrong direction and, yeah. and then it was that generation that uh, got treated with that indifference that turned the tide you could have could have uh, kept pushing down that rabbit hole and let it keep going that direction but yeah. it was a um, I think concerted effort by that group that said, you know, this will never happen again. Yep. Um, and I'm grateful for it. I know I, I oh know, yeah, I,
3: I couldn't even imagine.
0: So yeah. So w- getting into uh, recovery and having a sponsor, uh, Lou, was he your sponsor that whole your whole life, or do you have other sponsors at all? No. Nope. So uh, what what was it about? Because you've been sponsors for people now in recovery oh, yeah. over the years. Uh, what was it about that? Uh, that next mission and serving that kind of drew you to wanting to help others in that capacity
2: well there's a thing in, in recovery it's service to other right you know if you're working your program right you're you're serving other people and uh, i strongly believe in that because uh, sometimes that's all they need you know mm-hmm. somebody to answer the phone or yeah. somebody to go have a cup of coffee or be heard yeah. Uh, you know it's pretty simple thing and uh, it, we don't do enough of that in general
3: right. if somebody was willing to do for, it for you the least I can people, do now yeah. is to do it for somebody yeah. else yeah
1: well, and that's, the you know, I mean, that's quite honestly the gist of the whole show is, yeah. you know, that the uh, strength through service. And, mm-hmm. and and it seems like a, a recurring theme is that the people who, who chose to go serve continue to serve, you know, yeah. and, and continue to get stronger. You know, I mean, your whole story about uh, not taking any day for granted, starting over again fresh mm-hmm. each day. Mm-hmm. That's that's
3: the strength that comes from the service. And that's mm-hmm. the I whole think, point. Yeah, I think you guys can agree, you know, uh, with it. But um, especially Tom, you know, after you go through a, a situation like we have, you know, uh, we wake up each day and there's not much you're gonna throw at us that so we're gonna go. Well, that just made today bad. You know, right, we right, know what right. a bad day is. It's the worst know. day of my life. Yeah, This is horrible. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you guys are out of this again in V or whatever. I'm gonna uh, let that ruin my day. But like now, it's really hard to have a to have a bad day. You know, after the things that we've been through and to overcome the things that we've overcome to the point where you know we've literally had everything stripped from us. You know, we can't grab anything for ourselves. We can't move ourselves. We can't do anything for ourselves, and uh, we now all of a sudden, you know, we're to the point where you know we're trying to do the best we can every single day, and we see how we're doing. It's just like, well, really, at the end of the day, what can't we do now? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
0: right? Oh, and that's that's the what, and not obviously those severely wounded in, in combat, but people that have had a rough go of it in life, yeah, in general, it's, yeah, uh, through battling addiction, and you never served in the military or stateside, side of coming up through an abused family from. Uh, growing up in extreme poverty, from having you know a, a born uh, you know disability that you're yeah. born with, um, it's always one of my, my favorite quotes. And believe it or not, you know, uh, chip off the old block. I do do some reading from time to time. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite Hemingway quotes. and I'll probably butcher it, is but that uh, the world breaks everybody, and those yeah. that uh, break uh, afterwards are stronger at the broken places. But those that refuse to break, the world destroys. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like a sheet of ice when it breaks in the winter. Those individual sheets of ice get stronger versus yeah. the weaker superstructure. So, I think that's a you know a big part of it is realizing that um, overcoming adversity is it's a choice, <laughs> name of the game, It's, it's a it's, choice, it's yeah. daily life. Uh, um, and so, you know, giving back to that in the recovery world. To uh, when when did you actually start first uh, being a sponsor? Was it a couple of years into sobriety, or was it a concerted choice, or did a sponsee find you? How did and I don't even do names, but did uh, that happened organically, or were you intentionally looking to sponsor something uh, to give back?
2: Most of the time, people would ask, mm-hmm. you know, and it was uh, probably in the first five years or so where I started, you know, agreeing. You know, you just don't hang a sign out and and go be sponsored, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, when a, a person asks you. First of all, you, you've you known them well enough, maybe for a short time, where you, you kind of can feel them out uh, through meetings or whatever, and kind of learn their history and stuff. And, and uh, I always like to try and get a veteran. Uh, not always, but uh, most of the guys that I have sponsored are veterans, and most of them are doing well, thank God. Yeah. Uh, pro but, tips to help out. Yeah, yeah he, tip, you know, right. he, even even like in in veterans court. Yeah, you know, I I just finished up with with one with one uh, mentoring one gentleman, and uh, they asked me if I'd do it again. Of course, I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. But I like to sit there and, and watch the people yeah. in the court, and you know, when the right one comes along, I'll know yeah. whether he's a veteran or not. Yeah, I'll just know that. Uh, you know I don't want you to take this wrong but I, I don't want to waste my time you know right. I, I want yeah. somebody that's sincere that wants at the moment at least willing to try you know if they're willing to do that and willing to communicate with me you know I'm not going to chase them around mm-hmm. uh, and that's worked good for me so uh that's what I will continue to do. Mm-hmm. I will end up with another one, and
1: well, and we, we and we hope you do. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, we'll yeah.
2: Do And I I'm doing the same thing that I'm a volunteer at the VA for the amputee clinic. Oh, and sure. and uh, I'm a peer visitor. Is what they call it. <laughs> where <laughs> I you uh, are <laughs> <yeah.
0: laughs> uh,
2: So, so I, uh, I I I get to. To sit with uh, new, newly amputees, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, you know most of them are you know VA system. Everybody thinks war and yeah. and all that, but it's not that way. It's well,
0: there's a lot of general health care. Just a lot of, there. Yeah. lot of it's a lot
2: of it's a lot of it's general health. A lot of it's sure. age. A lot of it's just different diseases, and and uh, you oh. know they see me come walking in uh, in a <laughs> pair of shorts and stuff. You know they, go, i want to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. Well you can, but you might want so to lose a hundred pounds. Yeah, start so it takes a it. I mean Jack's done yeah, a whole bunch sure. yeah. now yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, on the
0: that um you know sponsor side, obviously you know, the the people that you're helping through that recovery journey are obviously uh benefiting from that relationship. But as yeah, sure, uh, yeah. as a sponsor, I mean what's that what's that benefit feel to you or, or is there a benefit that you know helps you in your own daily life well th-
2: that's it. that's that's it you know uh what we give we get twice as much back sure right. you
3: Absolutely. know and
2: seeing somebody succeed
3: i couldn't agree uh, with that more
2: yeah at all you yeah, know that's that's really really uh, all the thanks we get is that yeah for sure you know
1: well, listen. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to oh, shut yeah, us absolutely. off. But we've been we've been going two and a half hours here. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like it, uh, but and we could go another two and a half. I'm sure because uh, Tom, your story's fascinating. Yeah, it's and, incredible. Uh, it's inspiring, and uh, I'll be honest, quite humbling. Also, for uh, yeah. everything that you've done and accomplished, and I mean, everything you've been through, I feel like almost you know goes without saying. I mean, uh, you know, but uh, the sacrifice and the uh, just the, the strength that you've come out with on top of this. I mean, you would never know. Bumping into you on the street that you have this whole story that, right. like I said, could go another two and a half hours yeah, if, we, part two. If, we, yeah. if we let it go that long because it's uh, it's fascinating and you're you're just a, a glowing example of what we were hoping to accomplish with this show and and having this opportunity to for you to come and share you do not have to come in here and, and and you know tell us all this stuff and we appreciate it so thank you
0: mm. yeah we really cool. really do um, and and kind of wrap it up or and close it out um, you know the. You're kind of one of the the models in my head of why you know I reached out to radio here and teamed up with Jake and Jack to get this going because there is so many humble uh, servants and givers in the community and having the fortunate ability of growing up watching that from being little all the way into adulthood, uh, military service, and then fatherhood now and continued service too is uh, it's always been a sense of pride for me that I don't get to express enough to you, when people come up to me and say, you know, the impact that you've had in their life and the change for a good, and not because you're, uh, you know, doing something negative, which people mm-hmm. tend to remember the bad things. It's always been positive in the impact, um, and it's, you know, through recovery and through your your veteran affairs stuff, and it's always whole you person. There's no. Uh, taint. There's no filter. It's just Tom McLaughlin. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean that in a negative way, but for no, a lot no, of people, no. you know, they don't get social and have impacts until they have a few beers in them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's never been that case my whole life with you. It's always been genuine impact with you on uh, the individual, not just males, with females in the community, whether it's through the veteran uh, side, whether it's through recovery, whether it's through community service. Um, you know, the only, only person I've, uh, ever heard you know argue back with you as your kids when we were little craps. Right. but you know, or <laughs>
3: well, maybe you know, me with a parking spot issue with Tom yeah, fighting over parking yeah, spot. Only, or only but, one handicapped
0: spot. Yeah. But in oh, all, all, all seriousness, that's um, that's the kind of humble, uh, quiet uh, contributors and leaders that this country is made of and the foundation of, and that's our future too. And if if we don't capture that story and if we don't highlight that impact, that you just live and breathe on a daily basis, it's gonna die, uh, and we need to keep that going, and we need to share those stories, and so I'm uh, eternally grateful to you as your your son and and, uh, for all the lessons and the example that I've had, but then for also the example you provided for others too yeah just like yeah. Mike said, yeah, make absolutely. it all
2: the way through. the salt water in my eyes yeah, he's yeah. To, I, I know, know. He's, he's trying, he's trying, trying to he's put it we respect the hell thin. out of you tom we, do we him, do really do, yeah.
3: do
1: we, we really do so uh, again thank you for sharing thanks for for coming in today and then uh, sitting with us because we really we really appreciate it and this is like i said what we were hoping to go, what we were hoping to glean when we mm-hmm. uh, came up with the concept or i should say you know when uh, what are we calling now willie Wally Lou came up with the concept for this show. This is what we were hoping for. So, yeah. uh, again, uh, Tom will go off and thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, your uh, demonstration of strength from that service. I'll see you in November. I'll be here.
0: This is the Strength from Service Podcast.